Hey, when does the show start? Hey, wait a minute. <gasps> First, let's hear from our sponsors. Oh, okay. In just a minute. 50% of all lifetime mental illness begins at the age of 14, 75% by the age of 24. You got something going on. You need to reach out to somebody, maybe a neutral third party, markwelltherapy.com. Dr. David Markwell and his therapists uh, do an amazing job there at Ridgeline Counseling. Markwelltherapy.com. They can do it virtually. You can stop by one of their three Georgia locations, East Cobb, Marietta near the square, or McKaysville, right outside of Blue Ridge. Again, markwelltherapy.com. Who's Tony? You got to have to find out for yourself when you go into the Norcross showroom for UCI Kitchen and Bath. Maybe you're looking at a little reno project to start the new year. They've been Atlanta's number one cabinet, granite, and quartz fabricator and installer for the past 20 years. You're mentioning the BS. You're getting 10% off your regularly priced countertop. UCIGranite.com. That's the website. Do some shopping online, you tech nerd. But when you go into the showroom, uh, make sure you ask for Tony. Tell him Jason said hi. True story. Uh, one of our most popular guests uh, is Mad Doug Manny Aurora, the Aurora Law Firm. Uh, that's no joke. You guys love him. I love him. If you have any questions for him when he pops in on the show, you can go to podcastthebs.com. There's a whole section set up. You can ask us on social media, or you can leave a message on our hotline, 404-369-3825, possibly get a one-on-one. -on -one. Specializing in criminal law, located in Atlanta, but practices nationwide, theauroralawfirm.com, theauroralawfirm.com. It's time, ladies and gentlemen. After all these years in the radio business, Jason Bailey is finally unfiltered. I don't know what you want. With his bestest buddy and producer, all the way from Mexico, it's Nate, dude. Sit back, enjoy. Here is the podcast that is all about intellectually immature nonsense. Are a very particular set of skills. You will love it. Why? Because I'm Jason's neighbor. I'm old man Kevin. <laughs> and by God, this is the BS. All right, here it is. Episode 134 of the BS. Thanks for being here. My name is Jason Bailey in the Golden Scissors Studio, brought to us by Gorenstein and Watkins. Trial litigation attorneys, personal injury, wrongful death, you name it. GWtrial.com. 470-491-0808. GWtrial.com. They're in Playa del Carmen, Mexico. The Nader Tater Vader Masturbator. Hola. Hola. Buenos dias. How you guys doing? Good. Why is your background different today? Uh, my other camera wasn't working, so I'm using my the, the one that's built into my laptop. I got to tell you, that camera looks 10 times better than the other one. Like, uh, I think it's just the background. I mean, uh, like whatever, smoothing. but you like it, it looks like you're using a professional setup today. You look, Ooh, yeah, you look, look like good. AI art. You do. You look like uh, an NFT. <laughs> <laughs> and Brandon looks like he's about to storm the Capitol. <laughs> <laughs> when I looked at him, I was like, oh, man, you're not wearing that hat, are you? And I was like, oh, it's a Braves hat. <laughs> like, oh, I think they're, it's not so much that what the hat says. It's just I hate I hated the style of those hats. Those were like, you know, if anything, people should have not worn those hats because it's the cheapest. You look like you're 80 years old. 
in the 1980s wearing those hats. That's what bothered me about those hats. I hated those little clasp hats. Drove me insane. Anyway, yeah. uh, in the Zelensky studios in Noonan, Georgia, he's the B-man, Brandon Thrasher. How are you, Brandon? I'm doing pretty good. Having a good morning. Good. How y'all doing? Good, good, good. Why is it a good morning? You got a little lady over there? A little lady friend? Uh, no, I just woke up and I didn't feel like shit today, so that's always a good thing. You woke up and you didn't feel like shit today or you felt like yeah. shit? No, I didn't feel like shit. Uh, so what, you've been sick? Oh. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. But usually, I, you know, I usually don't like get up in the mornings anyway, but today wasn't too bad. That's why when you say you can't do something in the morning, it's not that you're really working. It's just that you don't do it. I know that. We've known that forever. We just know that you say, you, you know, Nate, how he tries to pawn off. He's like, I got a meeting. I got to be across town at 8 a.m. <laughs> Nate and I would talk bullshit. <laughs> you don't got shit to do. You sleep in until 10 or 11 o'clock trying to figure out your life. We know. You don't have to lie to us anymore. Just be honest. Yeah, I usually start my day about 9 or 10. Yeah. It's a little early. Yeah, you know? we understand. We get it. <laughs> He's on central time. <laughs> every, every, everybody's sick. I mean, what Rach and I just got over was horrible. She's still coughing. This is like three going into four weeks into whatever it was. And uh, it's crazy how these things go in cycles, right? You know, like one person gets sick, a thousand people get sick. A thousand people get sick, an entire country gets sick. And if you go into like CVS or Walgreens, they're out of everything. I mean, it, it's there's a, I don't know if there's a shortage or what, but uh, when we were in California, we went to go get some uh, like nasal stuff and whatnot. They had like four boxes left at the CVS. You just had to get what was there. Yeah, yeah it was that bad. Everybody, it's not just here; it's everywhere. Everybody's sick. So I don't think everybody's got COVID. I just think everybody's sick. You know, everybody's mm -hmm. got something. Um, yeah. Who the hell knows? It's the season. It's, it's, it's the season. <laughs> we back to those days where it's the season. You know, when we were going through a pandemic and we were all wearing masks, nobody got sick. You know, yeah. it was, it was, yeah. it was great. Right. And, and now that we're back to being, you know, free birds, uh, we're all sick again. It sucks. Yeah. Look at Brandon. He's got to sleep in until nine 30, 10 o'clock. God forbid. What happens? <laughs> I'll fall apart, man. My eyes just are shut. It won't open. How's the, how's the sale of your business going? Uh, I'm still talking to a few more people. I'm still waiting it out. I got a few jobs that I got to finish still before uh, before I make a decision. Mm. Okay, well that's bullshit. Uh, that's just a line of bullshit. You know, he's not. You're not you, you, give us the honest truth. I asked you a question. You're trying to sell your business. We have a bet, which is like if I lose, I've never washed another man's balls. So I mean, this is a, this is a big bet. And you just give us this line of, oh, I'm talking to a couple people. I'm going to got a couple jobs. I'm going to make a decision. I mean, come on, dude. There's more to it. There's either, either that's a lie. You don't have anybody that's interested. There's something that's you're not telling us. That's what I'm saying. Well, I mean, I got to get these jobs done. I do have two more jobs lined up. And then uh, if anyone else calls me in the next two weeks, I got to decide if I want to tell them no or if I want to go ahead and do it. Well, why don't you just do it and... If you're selling the business in two weeks, then just say, I'll do these jobs. Anything after this date, they're your jobs. Yeah, uh, that might be the plan. I mean, that, well, that, that should be the plan. I mean, that's what, so kind of makes sense, right? We, so we, we're, we're selling the cabin, right? We're selling Paradise City and Airbnb and Verbo, as I've now learned, it's pronounced Verbo, not VRBO. 
to uh, lie. It's a that's that damn commercial. I mean, right. they, they're trying they're trying to say it's Verbo. Come on, we know it's a it's an acronym. Let's be real. It's right. VRBO. Exactly. <laughs> it is. It is an acronym, and it should be VRBO. And that's what everybody. Know. I don't know why they say Verbo in that commercial. I think it maybe they're trying to make it sound more like you know, like we talk about the companies that are tile or google or you know it's just like that one word thing i think they're trying to get away from that corporateness of you know we're vrbo they, they want to no nah, man we're verbo <laughs> they want to sound cool well it rolls off the tongue very similar to airbnb yeah it does right so airbnb vrbo it just kind of rolls off the tongue so maybe that's what they're doing you know like let's go by verbo anyway uh we're selling the cabin brandon and airbnb and verbo or vrbo have not yet figured out, which blows my mind, that uh, they haven't figured out how to transfer over an account. So like our Airbnb accounts, where we get most of our bookings, we would just hand it over to the new owners or even sell the account to the new owners, right? Because I even offered up the URL and they didn't take it. (laughs) Not a smart move. Uh, right so but so but what we have to do is we have to as of closing date go through all of our upcoming bookings and of course like right when we sell it we've got like this influx of tons of bookings for the next couple months and we have to tell those people that they have to rebook uh on their airbnb page or their uh, verbo page isn't that stupid I mean, that's it's like a pain in the ass. It's a total pain. You know what it reminded me of? It re- well, reminds me. It reminds me of me telling people to unsubscribe and resubscribe <laughs> so you can get the weekly email when I send out the full video shows because Anchor hasn't figured out a way. Anchor, owned by Spotify, has not figured out a way for people to go and tweak their profile. That's absurd. So I have to tell people to unsubscribe and then resubscribe. And what I've done is I think it's, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's hit me in the face because, you know, I saw a dip in subscribers because people like they either forgot or something. I don't know what happened, you know? So it's, it's kind of silly. So it is what it is, you know, nothing you can do about it. Um, and then now you're going to, you're going to try to sell your business and and you're, we, you're not going to get what you're asking for it. Right. You never do. Yeah, no, that's why I started a little high, you know. Guess they're a little high to more likely they'll knock me down a couple thousand dollars. So I won't have to wash your balls. Uh, probably not, unless like a crazy rich guy comes out of nowhere and just wants to buy one for fun. Can you imagine if there's? I'm sure they're out there. People that just absolutely hate me, tons of money. It was like, dude, I hate you so much. I want to buy a damn backflow irrigation company for a quarter of a million dollars. Just to watch you wash Brandon's balls. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Brandon, you should start tweeting some celebrities. They might go for that. That'd be funny. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Find some people with some deep pockets. Ever, ever, ever wanted to see a grown man wash another grown man's balls? Well, you got $250,000. You can do it. I mean, people are paying more money for sillier things. So, you know, they might take you up on the offer. I have to get on yeah. Cameo or something. Yeah, we could start our own OnlyFans. And uh, just me washing your balls. <laughs> I make a yeah. ton of money. <laughs> balls and the boys. <laughs> the ball boys. Uh, all right, so, Brandon, you're going to sell your company, and what are you going to do? You're going to become a YouTuber, right? That's what your, your goal in life is? Yeah, I think that's the plan as of right now, and then maybe work on some vehicles also in the shop. 
That's right. Vehicles in the shop, which you don't have yet. And you're going to be a YouTuber by posting all this amazing content. And you're going to become a millionaire. Yeah. That's the goal. That's yeah. the goal. Okay. The internet jobs, I think, are the new artist occupations. You know, like when I was growing up, if you told, if I told my mom I wanted to be a rock star or I wanted to be a painter or, yeah, those, an actor, you know, those kinds of things. That, no, 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 no. They would always deter you. That was, it was like they were supposed to deter you. Very few parents would support, you know, those types of lofty goals, right? Because it was not guaranteed. And the boomer generation is thinking guaranteed money is a lawyer, a doctor, a thiser, and a thatter. You know, that kind of thing. Going into the family business. I've always wanted to count candy canes, you know, whatever the family business may be, right? So I think the the internet jobs now, when you hear Brandon saying that that's what he wants to do, is kind of, now, I would be the new boomer generation, right? I, the Gen Xers, and I'm looking at him going, dude, what are you doing? Get, get a fucking real job, right? And then Brandon in his head, and most other people, well, not most, but other people would probably say, dude, it can happen. It can be done. Have you seen how much money people are making on the internet? Well, that's the one percenters. I mean, we can agree on that, right? It's the the big, big money. The 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 Logan Pauls, the Jake Pauls, and those types of people. That's the one less than one percenters of the people out there, right? Yeah, but I mean, yes. you don't have to be that big to make good money on YouTube. Correct. Right. Exactly. So then the next tier would be the and, I, and I've said this before. I think there's a lot of people on the internet that are making a good living, and just nobody knows about them right? because they sell sponsorship. I mean, we've done a pretty good job this past or the, the past year because we sold sponsorships and we had you know a good subscription base, and you know we 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 have a we've built a really big and very cool community. Um, so I think if you do that, you know, if you're getting let's say 50,000 views on a YouTube video uh, per video, Brandon, what does that pay out? Uh, about 50,000 a year, <clears throat> depending. Okay, but you have to consistently get that on a, like at least one video a week. Yeah, pretty much. Okay, so you do two. Now you're at $100,000 a year by just doing two videos a, a, a week. And, and I'm, assuming, I'm assuming content that you really enjoy. You know, like those travel people. Like, that's what Nate's trying to do out in Mexico, you know. Post all this travel shit. People love that stuff because it's like you can either go and read somebody's blog. You can read some corporate blog about what to do. Or you could watch real people doing real shit in the place that you're about to go to. You know, I would much rather do that, to be quite honest with you. Because there's no selling it. Like, there's no reason for them to sell me on, in Nate's case, Playa del Carmen, Mexico. I mean, the... Mexico's not paying him to sell me. It's not visitmexico.com and he's the president. It's not like that. You know, so it's an interesting world. But my point is, is those jobs are the new artist. And I use air quotes, artist occupation jobs of today. Would you agree with that? I would, I would say they're more like the sports stars because like the artist and the, you know, psychology or whatever, like those ones are, those are the ones that, your parents tell you not to go to, uh, not to do, but that you're not going to make any money at. Like, I think these ones are the ones like sports where they deter you because there's not a good chance that you're going to be a famous person doing it, but there's a lot of money in it. 
Okay, I see what you're saying. So they're like, you know, if you want to be an artist, that's fine. I'm just going to let you know. Or you're going to be an actor. You're just not going to make any money. You yeah. Know? But, like, let's talk about you being a basketball player. You're 5'5", five, five, you're white, <laughs> and you're overweight. It's not happening. It's just not going to happen. I got to be honest with you. That was a good thing, though. You know, the boomers were very honest with their kids. They're like, you're just not, you know, because how many times do you hear the story of people that were successful saying that their parents said that they could never do it, right? And, of course, that's the minority of the people. The majority of the people said, thank you, parents, for deterring me. The minority of the kids that made it are like, fuck you, parents. I told you I could do it. You know, so there's like a yin to a yang, right? But I wanted to be a professional basketball player when I was in seventh grade. And I remember... At Pine Ridge Middle School in Naples, Florida, we, were, we weren't in a classroom for some reason. We were, like, in an open area, and I forget what class this was and what teacher it was, but they asked us to, I think it was typing class, but we were writing it for some reason. It was Mr. Burton, the teacher that beat me up. Uh, Jim Burton was his name. He beat me up in, in, in after school. Anyway, so um, I wrote I wanted to be a professional basketball player. And we would play basketball after school every day. And I thought, and I played on a team, an organized team. I thought I was pretty good, right? And so I thought I was really good, actually. And we'd play, you know, playground basketball. And I was usually one of the bigger kids. I thought I was really, really good. Now, where, where I lived, it was predominantly white people. You know, so I didn't go out like in the mean streets of where the, the gritty basketball games were being played. I'm playing with, you know these kids. And so I remember writing the thing, you know, I want to be a professional basketball player and da, 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 da. and uh, I, I want to, th- I want to say it was Mr. Burton. He picks up the paper and he, he reads it and he goes, there's no way you're being a basketball player. And I said, what? He goes, yeah, ask your parents. You, you just, you're not being, find a different job. <laughs> I was like, you just asked us what he goes. Then he rattled off like the percentage. He was like, "You know the percentage of people that become professional athletes, and you're not one of them." Okay, <laughs> he just started <laughs> telling me I couldn't do all this stuff. I'm like, okay. So I remember I, that that conversation deterred me from wanting to be a professional basketball player. And then the nail in the coffin was my freshman year in high school. I went. I, I didn't really have to try out to be on the basketball team because it was such a small school. So it was like really everyone made the team. You know, again, I had 101 people in my graduating class at a, a private Catholic high school. And so uh, I went out there and and I didn't know what I was doing. They're calling plays. They've got this and they've got that. And so after like a week, the the head basketball coach, Coach Bill Donovan, he pulls me in his office and he says, Jason, I've never cut a player ever in the history <laughs> of this basketball team I've got to cut you <laughs> and all I could think was Michael Jordan was cut with his, from his freshman basketball team <laughs> that's all I could think the entire time so let's just say dad comes to you Brandon and goes all right look this is a hobby. This is not an this is not an occupation. I need you to pick me a real job. What would be your dream job? Um like that I don't enjoy. 
No, I mean, well, you you need to enjoy it somewhat. I mean, a dream job would be a job that you enjoy that's got everything that goes with it. Money and blonde and this and that and this and that. I mean, you could, you could be a porn star for all I care, but what would be your dream job be? To uh, What would be your dream job? Um, Maybe maybe a train conductor. That'd be pretty cool. You get to see the countryside. Train conductor. Train, you're by yourself. Got to tell you, you look like a train conductor. <laughs> like if somebody if somebody were to put me in front of you, you say point at that guy go what does he do for a living i'd probably say train con- conductor you look like a train conductor i think i could do it you know i definitely think forward I and do. stop, mm-hmm. stop yeah, and what go. do they do you don't you don't have to like steer or anything right you're just like it's just go and stop yep well, condu- i feel i feel like that's a job that could a robot could replace <laughs> yeah man just go and stop and eat good and plenties and uh, make sure that there's no homeless in your carts. Maybe I don't know. Yeah, yeah. You got to wear overalls, pinstripes. Yeah, pinstripe yeah. overalls. Make sure you don't you try not to hit anybody that's committing suicide on the tracks. Yep. A lot of big responsibilities and that kind of stuff. And be able to put your elbow out the window correctly. That very. Yep. Uh, <laughs> did you just take a dip for 15 seconds? Yeah, it's kind of hurting my stomach a little bit. Yeah, a little too early in the morning. It's kind of drying my mouth out. Okay. <laughs> I'm a little dizzy. I feel a little woozy woozy right now. Okay, so train conductor is not on this list of the top dream jobs worldwide. Nate, what did you always want to do? You did you always want to do internet stuff? No, I wanted to be a paleontologist when I was younger because I really like like dinosaurs. Who did not want to be a paleontologist when they were younger? Nobody. Everybody wanted to. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Paleontologist not on the list, but what a stupid list. I agree. I had a uh, a teacher in eighth grade. Now I had moved to Sarasota. And I went to this school for about a half a semester. It was called Prue. And it was the collection of rejects. I don't know why. I think my mom sent me there because it was private. But it was literally a collection of the worst kids you could possibly put in a building. They were oh, yeah. great. I mean, I loved them to death. They were great people. But, I mean, they were thieves, whores, fighters. I mean, it was the be- It was the worst of the worst. And I fit right in, you know. So, I mean, I that's where I learned to steal well. That's where I learned to fight decently. You know, I mean, it was because of that short period of time at the school. Anyway, we had a teacher named Mr. Granada. And he was a, like, amateur paleontologist. Uh, He loved dinosaurs. And he taught a paleontology class, like just some random paleontology class that you have to take. Like, it was math, science, paleontology. So it was really, really weird. And then he took us out on a dig. There was a place that you could go where they had found fossils. And for a certain amount of money, you go out and get in this hole and they give you all the stuff and you find dinosaur fossils. And we found a bunch of them actually at this, this thing. And we find this, you know, we did the brush and what way cool, right? Like say travel to Egypt or travel to wherever. And you have this dig site, but you got to have a lot of patience. That's something I do not have. Cause you're sitting there and you're brushing and a lot of disappointment, you know? So yeah, yeah. You'd be like, yeah, just put some dynamite on it. Let's get this thing going. 
<laughs> Dig faster. Use your hands. What's wrong with you people? <laughs> there's a there's a show. I, th- I may have mentioned it before, but I think it's called Dino Hunters, and it's ranchers and cowboys and stuff in Montana and you know Wyoming and whatnot. And their their business has kind of fallen out from underneath them, I guess, because I guess ranching isn't a huge industry anymore. And uh, but they they own all this land up in Montana and South Dakota and everything, and they've like gained all this knowledge of fossils just from living there for so long and now that's what they do they go and they're basically kind of the same thing they're like amateur paleontologists but they're they go out and if they find like a t-rex tooth um they they make they can sell that for you know two hundred thousand dollars so the big thing is to get the full t-rex skeleton and they can sell that for millions so it's like a whole new industry of these people where they had this job that it was just kind of failing and they kind of pivoted into something new wow that's cool Dino hunters, mm. huh? That's cool. You know, you yeah. you look at what we find from fill in the blank years ago. I mean, whether it's dinosaur years or even if it's you know eighteen hundreds years, you know, of of grave sites, because there was like this stretch of time where we as human beings did just stupid shit because we wanted land and we wanted to build so badly that we didn't care where we built. And it could be over a Native American uh, burial site, you know, but we just didn't care. There was a time where there was no laws. We didn't care. So now we're finding those those places. But I think in three, four, five hundred years from now, when our bones are buried, um, it'll be a more if the world's even still here, it'll be a more like, yeah, this are, these are the people, you know, they lived during the, you know. They lived during these times and like, I think it would be more organized is what I'm saying. Yeah. Well, like excavating or like trying to read into the past. Well, yeah, you would, yeah. To read into the past, you wouldn't have to excavate, excavate uh, as much as like what we do now. Cause I think the, the cemeteries and, you know, mausoleums and all these things will still be in its place or a version of it will still be there. The respect of the body will still be around. Unlike, you know, the wild, wild west days were like, fuck it. Just put the con, put the buildings over the Indians. Who the fuck cares? You know, that kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, and I don't know. Like, I feel like in the far, far future, they're not going to know as much as we know about, even though we have like more technology and more things recorded, the stuff we record things on is, is going to like disintegrate, you know, paper and, and anything digital that can, that can go away. But we know so much about the past because they made everything out of fucking stone and carved it into it. So it lasts forever, but our shit's not going to last forever. I don't think. I need to put that stuff in stuff. Israel is sending in case the world ends, they're sending a satellite, like a time capsule, a digital time capsule in space. And it's going to be up there by 2025. So they're assuming that the world won't end by 2025. And if something were to happen, there's going to be a time capsule in outer space. So future generations and civilizations, I don't know how it comes back down. I don't know how they get the information. Maybe it just floats for a certain amount of time and then just drops. (laughs) It's like 50 (laughs) years later, they're like, Hey, we're doing a good job getting civilization. What the hell is... Watch out! (laughs) Open it up. Does anybody speak Israel? (laughs) I don't understand it. Uh, But pilot on this list is the number one dream job, by the way. Pilot. Really? Yeah. Yeah, you get to travel and you got to take mandatory vacation and stuff like that. 
Yeah, I just you know, falling asleep and crashing. I don't think this list has gotten out to the people that want to be pilots because there's an extreme shortage of pilots <laughs> for yeah. every commercial airliner. Yeah. <laughs> well, I guess I was thinking like fighter pilot, which I don't I don't know if I'd want to do that. But yeah, I guess a commercial pilot's not a terrible job, except for you're responsible for hundreds of lives every day. That's that doesn't seem fun. That freaked um, me out, man. Totally freaked I, me out. I'd rather be the the flight attendant because you get to travel, but then also you don't have to be responsible for everybody, but then you have to deal with the assholes on planes. So that's probably not any better. Well, growing up, my first stepdad was a pilot and he was a fighter pilot before that. Um, I don't know his whole story, but you know, he flew whatever and whatever war. I, I don't know what he did, um, but I know that he was a commercial airline pilot, a captain for us air when that existed. And, what I learned as a kid is those guys are really arrogant, like fighter, like not fighter, but pilots in general are really arrogant. And I, I'm assuming you kind of have to be a little arrogant in that job. You're like, you're not messing with me today, rough air. It's just not going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think that's why, I mean, those types of jobs, like doctors, lawyers, CEOs, anything that you are running shit or, you know, have, you know, the power in your hands. I think you have to have a little bit of an ego to be good at those, those types of jobs. So yeah, I can see that. Yeah. Just like radio personnel or anybody behind a microphone, you have to have some type of ego. You know, it's mm. funny. It's funny if anybody would ever say, you know, you're arrogant or something, I'd be like, yeah, I, I definitely have a taste of that. There's no doubt about it. I'm sorry that I came off wrong. Cause I'm not trying to be ugly arrogant, but you know, I, anybody that's confident, I think has to have a little ego to them. You know, you have to, you have to have an edge. Uh, it's just, you just have to, it's just what, what kind of ego are you going to have? Are you going to have the look at me? Like it drives me insane. People in the radio business that think they're celebrities drives yeah. me absolutely bonkers, you know, because to me, a celebrity is, is somebody that no matter where you go, people are going to recognize you. Not just one person's going to recognize you at the place that you eat at every day and you constantly tell them what you do for a living, you know, <laughs> and you make an obscene amount of money uh, and you do good in the world for somehow shape, form, fashion. Radio, local radio DJs are not celebrities, me included, you know, when I was in the business and if I go back to the business. Now, are you a public figure? Yes. And that's different. You're a public figure, meaning that, you're a figure that the public, some of the public's going to know. And and that's a cool feeling, right? I mean, that's why we become radio DJs because we can't cut it as a real celebrity, you know? So <laughs> we take we take the bottom the bottom the bottom of the bottom route uh, and do it, which is totally cool with me, right? It's it's fine. I've never needed that celebrity thing. I don't need people to recognize me. I don't need people to I don't, I don't have to have a gimmick so people know who I am wherever I go. It's like, "Oh god, look at that guy. He's 80. Remember when he used to do?" Um, you know, I just, that's another thing is for some reason, there's a lot of radio people that just can't let the past go. Oh my <laughs> God. The difference between now and 30 years ago is your belly. And that's the only thing <laughs> it's like, it's like you go, Oh man, remember back in the day, it was so cool. It blows me away. Absolutely <laughs> mind boggling. DJ, by the way, is on this list of top dream jobs at number 11. 
And I'm, huh. ass- I'm assuming when they say DJ, even though I don't like to refer to radio personalities like myself as a DJ, disc jockey, um, but most people do. I'm assuming they're talking about wiggity, 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 stacks of wax, DJ, right? Yeah, probably like a concert DJ or making music. Like Tiesto, that kind of DJ. Oh, no, I, I think... It's a radio DJ. Really? You think that's yeah. still the number one dream, uh, or not number one, but it's still, a dr- <clears throat> excuse me, a dream job to people? Yeah, and I don't know who, like the age that they, they surveyed, but I can't imagine there's a lot of people over like 30 that are like, yeah, man, I just, I wish I was a an EDM DJ, you know, spinning records. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, who, who grows up to want to be an EDM DJ? <laughs> Well, a lot of the old school radio guys, you, you, they would tell you that they've always wanted to be in radio. That's what they would always say. It was a dream. And I can understand that. It was not my dream. It was an accident for me to get into the business. But I fell in love with the business day one, as we call it, being bit by the bug. So, I, I, you know, I don't know if the younger generation necessarily wants to be um, on the radio. Like, that's their dream job. But I can tell you a lot of adults would probably say that's still their dream. And if I had a nickel for every time I heard somebody go, yeah, everybody says that my voice is, I could be on the radio. (laughs) Shut up. (laughs) Nothing to do with your voice. Well, a little bit, but not a lot. Not like it used to be back in the day where you're a boss jock. Hey, everybody. Welcome. It's W. Bobby Vlad. And that was the thing back in the 50s and 60s and, you know. 70s going into the 80s uh, was uh, was that kind of thing. Look, Nikki D's here. Good morning. Good morning. Yeah. Stuck in traffic. Yeah, yeah like no, nobody goes, you know, uh, I do own a suit. I could be a lawyer. <laughs> it's like, no, that's not all that goes into it. Yeah. I knew how law and order was going to end. I totally could become a detective in the SVU. You know, that kind of thing. Even though I do say that from time to time. Uh, writer is number two. Dancer is number three. I'm assuming... Not stripper, but just a dancer, right? That'd be one of those artistic occupations. And then YouTuber and entrepreneur, four and five, six actor, seven influencer, eight programmer, nine singer, 10 teacher, 11 DJ, 12 blogger, and 13 doctor. So look at this list, right? Top dream jobs. So writer, dancer, YouTuber, entrepreneur, actor, influencer, singer, DJ, blogger. Out of the top 13, one, two, three, four. Four are those legit jobs that I was talking about at the beginning. You know, like, hey, why don't you just become a doctor? You should become a teacher. It's safe. You know, and you get off the summers. You might not make a lot of money, but you're always going to have a paycheck. The rest of those jobs are the the dreamers. I mean, so I guess that's why it's a dream job. But, I mean, as far as dreamers, like Brandon, I'm going to be a YouTuber. I'm going to make millions of dollars and be a YouTuber. All right, well, the chances of that happening, especially for someone like Brandon and his work ethic, are very, very slim, right? It's just not going to happen. I, I just got, I want to be the guy to tell you. I wish you nothing but the best luck, but it's not going to happen. These are all dreamer jobs. Uh, which, what does that tell you? Does that tell you that people get caught up in other people's success that have made it that less than 1%? Are we like really that into that? 
that we believe we can do it, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I think you should. I mean, that's, I think that's why the, the idea of like parenting kids have, has changed rather than telling them they can't do it. You want to encourage them to do whatever they think they want to do. Cause they're, even if it's a small chance, there's a chance it could happen. For instance, one of the dream jobs is a DJ, which is what you do, Jason, or that has been doing for years. And when you've told the story, when you first started, the whoever you, one of your mentors told you that you were terrible, you would never do it, get out of radio, quit now. And you didn't, you, you didn't listen to him. You stuck to it and you became successful. So there is a chance that, you know, you can do something that other people don't think you can do. Well, that's not necessarily the story. The story was about three years into me being in the radio business as a producer. And I was a damn fine producer. I'll always be a producer. I love producing. Um, I, 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 we were at Hooters. I think it was Christmas Eve actually. And we're going through pitchers of beer. And it was like one of the first times I was like, God, that's brilliant. They put a bag of ice in a pitcher of beer. God, that's so smart. <laughs> God, these, these girls are smarter than what people think they are. <laughs> Why does my beer taste like the floor? <laughs> <laughs> Why does my beer taste like plastic? <laughs> and I, I remember I remember saying, look, I wanted to, to I wanted to talk to you. You know, we, we started to get into that. We've had enough alcohol, so we're 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 getting serious kind of mode. You know, it's like, well, let's get deep. And I said, to, this wasn't Johnny, by the way, this was the other guy. Doc. Mm. And I said to him, I go, uh, and he was very rough around the edges, really rough. And where I get a lot of my rough around the edges is definitely from him. And I said, I go, look, you know, I love producing. Uh, I really do. I enjoy it, but I wanted to ask you if I could start evolving and not be buckethead anymore and, uh, start talking more in the air and, and having an opinion, you know, I got to that point in my career where I wanted that. And he goes, well, why what's wrong with buckethead? And, what, and I was like, because it's goofy. I can't talk about anything as buckethead. It's silly. And I'm getting older and it's just weird. And I don't like it. I never have liked it. And I've, I was hoping I could transition out of it. And he goes, look, I'm going to be honest with you as a producer, you're one of the best in the business. You've really come a long way. You have a natural instinct to produce. You really, really do. But on the air, you suck. You just are horrible. You know, don't try to be an on-air personality. Just be a producer. <laughs> I was like, okay, go fuck yourself. <laughs> yeah, so anyway. Yeah. But see, so you didn't listen to him and you did it and you became successful at it. I guess that was my point. Yeah, I'm extremely successful at it. You can see me podcasting right now. <laughs> and now you get to, and this is even better than, than the traditional DJ job because you can do it whenever and wherever you want. Look at me, the success that I have become at the age of 47. Now, you can also say, right, that for some of these dreamer jobs, not dream jobs, but dreamer jobs under the dream job list, you could say that there's an age cutoff, right? I mean, that would be fair to say, okay, look, I, 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 I'm, I'm a certain age now. I, I think I need to give up the, the dream of, you know, I'm 72 and I've been trying to be an influencer my whole life. I think it's time to just really buckle down and grab me a bag boy job at the nearest grocery, <laughs> grocery store because I've been trying for 68 years to be an influencer. And it just, and actually all these social media platforms that I started on, you know, Twitter and YouTube, they're all gone now. <laughs> so they're all something different. And I have to keep making these new, there's a cutoff right at a certain point. 
Yeah, definitely. And it's funny now, like in the future, people that maybe work some of these jobs or companies that don't won't exist anymore. It'll be like a, a company that's gone under. Like, yeah, you know, I used to work for Vine back in the day. I was a big Vine guy. And now it's obsolete. <laughs> yeah, Vine doesn't have. So what's the cutoff for Brandon to be a YouTuber? What do you mean? Uh, like age? Yeah, age. I was going to get myself to, uh, you know, if I'm not like super rich by 40, then I was probably just going to pack my shit up and go to like somewhere in the Middle East and serve over there. Maybe join the Taliban. So, so you're going to give yourself another 16 plus years to get make this work? Well, not maybe just this one adventure or venture, but I would say if, if I'm not rich in general by 40, I think I'll just hang it up and go to the Middle East. Oh, okay. Well, what's your cutoff for being a YouTuber? That's what I'm asking. Uh, I'll probably give myself like, you know, a good solid year. Okay. Well, I think you probably need to give yourself more than a year. Every, a, yeah. a, every Everything should like kind of everything is at about a two year two two years is good to give yourself for anything, you know, because the first year it's kind of prep. And then the next year you're like, it's the year, like you're ready, you know? So you got to give yourself two years and just supplement your income in that two years. But once you turn 26 and it's not working out for you, then what do you do? Uh, I don't know. We worry about that when you get there. Yeah, see, that's something I'd probably talk about now. Well, I mean, then you're uh, then you're expecting to fail. You're preparing for failure. No, you just got to burn the ships. You just got to go all in and not think about no, you know, no, no, failure. No, not true. Having a plan B does not mean you're setting yourself up for failure. Plan having a plan B is smart. You should always have a plan B and a plan C for that matter. Well, then you just. I mean, I just feel like then you're hoping you fail. No, you're just you're 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 being proactive. In case, what happens in case? It's like a, a, a trapeze artist has a net underneath of them. They're not planning on not doing the tightrope because they got people under the tent that are looking to see them do the tightrope. But if they fall, eh, it's good to have a net there just in case so they don't <laughs> hit the concrete. <laughs> yeah. Yep. yeah, but I think, I think at the main show, they don't even have that, right? You know, just fall to your death. Okay, follow me here. Just most of the time, they have the net. Okay, they, they, <laughs> they, they, they have a net. What? I don't subscribe to the, the age thing because history has shown that you can accomplish something at a later age in life than a younger age. And that's what I was, I was looking up real quick because there was some um, – celebrities that have done things later in life that people don't even realize like Morgan Freeman. He didn't even get his first major role in Hollywood until he was 52. So Brandon very well could still be a famous YouTuber at 40. There's a lot of actors actually that grind it their entire lives. And you just, it's really not them being bad actors. It's just, just didn't get their break. Well, they just didn't get the role. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, they, 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 you know, that's, that's like what I say about sports is, I mean, you're looking at the top less than 1% of professional, nobody in the NFL sucks, right? Nobody's bad. Nobody, they're the best of the best. And it's the, it's the system that they're playing. Now they might not play to their potential because of the, the, the game or whatnot, but there's a lot of players that never will be considered the greatest at their position because they were on such horrible teams right. with horrible coaches. And that's where it starts, right? Mm -hmm. Same mm -hmm. with actors. I mean, there's tons of, you see more, you see more actors. Now you start to hear about them because there's more opportunities for them to shine with the streaming stuff. And, uh, you know, I was, I was reading something the other day. So, um, 
What's uh, what's the uh, M Night uh, Shyamalan? Blah 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 blah. What's his name? Mm-hmm. Yeah, M Night Shyamalan. Yeah. So they're saying that this new movie that he's got coming out, uh, a knock at the cabin or a knock at the cabin door, is is like the, the, his best movie that he's done in twenty years. Now that's not shocking or whatnot, but the actors that he have, one in particular, Dave Batista, who's a former WWE wrestler, and I believe the story goes is after leaving wrestling he was broke and and he's over 50 some years old you could argue dave batista and actually i would is a better actor than the rock oh you know and the rock is you know i mean i think his his star is dwindling a little bit but i mean he's still the rock right he's he's, he's larger than life he is. dave batista's acting has be, has gotten to be amazing and everybody loves him i mean if you watch the the latest um what is it? The Glass Onion, not, uh, Knives Out, the Daniel Craig, the mystery movie and stuff. Dave Batista's mm-hmm. in that. He does a phenomenal job. You know who else is in that? Is, um, what's her name? Uh, Janae. Monet? Is it Janae Monet? Janelle Monet? Janelle Monet. Janelle. I love, I love her. I Abs- do too. Love. And I loved her before anybody else loved her. I, oh, sure you did. I, no, no. I remember, <laughs> I remember when... Her, she was, they had her performing on a side stage for an award show and they didn't pay Mm -hmm. no attention to her. Mm -hmm. She was just the band that would take you into commercials. Yep. I remember that. And she's wearing all black and white. And I remember, I remember rewinding it and going, who is that? I actually researched. I was like, this girl's amazing. She's the only wear tuxedos. Exactly. Yeah. I was mm-hmm. like, this girl, her gimmick, everything. She's beautiful. Mm-hmm. She's amazing. But uh, she's got Atlanta ties. She's uh, the guy I used to work with over at the game. Used to produce her old stuff. Oh, okay. Back in the day, day. So anyway. Oh, I uh, didn't know he was a wrestler. This is the guy from Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah, Dave Bautista. Yeah, he was a professional wrestler. He's yeah. a great actor. I love him. Yeah, he's good. He is so funny. He's and he good. doesn't try to be funny. But to your point yeah, is. What, go ahead. He just he kind of just plays one character, though. I think that's why he quit the Guardians of the Galaxy, because he's been typecasted. Right. It's just like the meathead. Well, and that's, <laughs> and that's why they're saying this new role, uh, like in, in, in uh, Knives Out, he plays a different role. And he does a very good job. Um, and so in this, this, this cabin movie, he plays an amazing role, I guess. I've seen the, I've seen some trailers, I guess. And you're, he's just very calm, very clay. He's not the big, you always think if you got muscles, you got to be an action hero. Then he doesn't do that, but he pulls it off. Like when the rock plays a non-action role, it sucks. It's just not very good. The movie snitch that he did, it, it just, you, you don't want the rock not to fight people. He's an action guy, but Dave Bautista, for some reason, and he's just as big as The Rock. He pulls off the I'm an you know I'm just a guy with big arms. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just a guy. But you are right. There's a lot of actors, and we see more of them more today mm-hmm. than ever because of the the possibilities that they have out there. Yep. You know, but they've always been working. They've okay. always been working. People just mm-hmm. didn't know who they were. Right. So that, that that's my point is. Brandon's been working. That's what I'm saying. He's been putting his videos out. The the difference between you being a working actor and making enough money to keep the bills on and being a working YouTuber. (laughs) Okay. So we've all been working in the YouTube business for quite some time now. (laughs) So we're all YouTubers. None of us are paying our bills off of our YouTube page. 
That's oh, that's no. the difference. He, you know, not. he he could be working at it for the next fifteen years, but if he's not making any money, that's a problem. He just needs one good viral video, and he's in there. No, you don't. We just talked about that. You need uh, you need two a week to make a hundred thousand dollars a year. But if he with gets fifty thousand or more views, that brings the well, one to be famous. One to be famous. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, to like one start to get getting the program. Yeah. Yeah. Start the ball rolling. All right. Well, I just had a video that's, uh, well, now it's over, I think, 70,000 views on TikTok. Does that mean I'm TikTok famous? No. 70,000? That's not enough. Well, oh, we, no. You need uh, millions on TikTok. On TikTok. Okay. Yeah. So, okay. So TikTok, I need millions. Yeah. But on YouTube, I just need 50,000. Yeah. That'd be comfortable. That'd be good. But be consistent. It has to be okay. consistent. Yeah. It has to be consistent. Mm -hmm. All right. Consistent. Well, that's what I'm saying. He's got to be consistent. He's got to have it often, you know? got to do the thing i wish you nothing but the best i really do i i want to say i knew brandon when he was putting up fences i just <laughs> i don't in the basement i just don't know i think you should look to be a pilot pilot nah man it's a lot of school in it well maybe is your generation like allergic to learning what's wrong with you people no, I think there's just a lot of other ways to learn now. I mean, we got Google and the internet. You don't really need school. And YouTube. Yeah, and YouTube. My, my daughter and her friends have the same, they say the same shit that he says, you know, about college. You know, I was talking to one of her friends, Tatiana. Oh. And the, I love that girl. I The girl that died on vacation, right? And then came back to life. I, I love her. She's part of our family. She's over here all the time, right? And I want nothing but the best for this girl. And she's not stupid. She is a bright girl, and she has a lot to offer. She hasn't even cracked the shell of who she is. And I had this long talk with her the other night because just six months ago, she was excited. She was going to college. She was going to run track. She was going to do this. She was going to do that. And she's not doing it. She's like, oh, I'm just going to go to hair school. Like, it's hair a, school? It's, like, it's a cop-out. Oh. And I'm like, you have the opportunity. I go, do you have the opportunity? Financially, do you have the opportunity? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, then do it. You know, yeah, and, and, but here's, here's the number one reason they don't want to go. Yeah, it's just too much school. It's, it's too much. I don't want to learn. <laughs> <laughs> why do you not want to? Why, why, why would you not take the offer of somebody that knows more than you is paid to know more than you, but to teach you what they know and you get to go and learn from somebody that wants to teach you. Why would you not take that opportunity? Brandon, uh, you, do it. you could do it on your own terms and find information elsewhere. I mean, that's like the, uh, the, the brain mapping lady. She didn't go to school for it. Didn't she just self-taught herself, just read a bunch of books online and, um, Articles and got in uh, touch with doctors. Yeah, okay. it's not quite like that, but it was. I mean, she did. Yes, yeah, she did not. She does not have a degree in neuroscience or neuroscience. You you are correct. That's an exception to the rule. She was desperate. Her husband had PTSD. She's trying to fix his brain, but she did learn from the best. The the people in the business, the leading doctors in that field, that's who she learned from. She didn't just go to her computer and go, you know, hey Siri, teach me about neuroscience and that but I'm gonna do it on my own. My as my husband suffers. I'm just gonna, you know, I don't I got I gotta go to the store. I was thinking about getting my nails done. He still can't find himself and he's crapping his pants, but I'm gonna do it on my own. That's not how that happened. So it's a little yeah, bit but different. She, but she was also learning from the best doctors, not college professors. So they're actually in the field. 
a lot of times college professors are the best doctors. I mean, like, what is your perception of these people? Like, do you think that the people that teach at schools are just, you know, just people off the street with, with no credentials? I'm just kind of, maybe where you find it hard to believe that. Huh? Maybe where you went to school, like somewhere down in Noonan, that's probably what they do. Hey, I know you work half part time at the gas station. Why don't you come and teach neuroscience at the school, the old University of Noonan? Why don't you come? Why don't you teach here? I think August is teaching something at some school down there, right? So that says something. (laughs) There you go. There you go. That makes all the sense in the world. Okay. So you you find it hard to believe what that that they're smart. They know something. No, I didn't say that. I just, you know, I mean, they probably know what they're talking about, but they're clearly not at the top of their field. More than likely, if they're a college professor, I imagine they'd be, uh, you know, actually in the field doing hey. work. I'd rather learn from a doctor that's doctoring at the moment. You know, I get, there's probably retired, you know, people get old and retire and they're like, oh, what do I do now? I, like, I guess I'll go teach these kids at this school. You, you, <laughs> doctoring. You, you do understand that a lot of these people teach as their secondary thing outside of their practice. Have you ever gone and actually read a story of it says, Dr. Some, you know, Emory University. Emory University is one of the leading universities in the world for numerous things. And they're always quoting professors from Emory New, uh, University. Do we not believe them because they teach it? Good luck with the YouTube no. thing. Man. I, I, really, <laughs> I, I, th- I think you got a lot of promise in this world, Brandon. I, I, think, I think you got millions of dollars coming your way. You got your act together, kiddo. Good job. All right, let's uh, let's let, let's talk to our guest, please. Hold up, wait a minute. Let's hear from our sponsors. Just about everything needs to be insured in your life, right? So find the best in the business. That'd be Sean Camp at Country Financial. House, boat, motorcycle, car, you name it, needs to be insured. How do you get a hold of Sean? Easy. Call him. He'll pick up 678-519-9028. Tell him Jason said, hello, 678-519-9028. Yeah, make sure you mention the BS because he takes care of the two percenters. Or you can email sean.camp at countryfinancial.com. S-H-A-U-N dot C-A-M-P at countryfinancial.com. The camp agency at Country Financial. It is your one-stop shop for all your insurable needs. Rodents get cold, too. They might want to get warm in your attic or crawl space. Uh-uh, not on Inspect All Pest Services Watch. Inspectallservices.com. That's the website you need to go to and book an appointment. Mention the BS. Receive 10% off your exclusion work. Did you know that uh, one big issue with house fires is that squirrels cause them by chewing constantly, chewing on the wires, plus all the disease the rodents bring in. Don't let that happen to your house. Inspectallservices.com. And back to you, Jason. Before I introduce our our guest here, I've got to say that I am a fan of his company. Uh, College hunks hauling junk and moving. The green and the orange signs you see on the corner of every intersection in America. Uh, Nate, I know when we're at UCF, they're everywhere. I mean, everywhere, everywhere. So our guest is Nick Freeman, who's who's an entrepreneur and co-founder of College Hunks Hauling Junk and Moving, which is by the way, like well over valued at $300 million. Um, but he's, uh, he's also, you know, he's done some television. He's done, been on different things like Shark Tank and Undercover Boss and 
and and and and and in this uh, new film, Bezos: The Beginning, which is about Jeff Bezos' early years before he became, uh, you know, Amazon, uh, which is going to be released uh, on VOD uh, on January twenty fourth. So, anyway, Nick, how are you? Nice to see you. I'm great. Thank you. Awesome intro. I appreciate it. Yeah. So like before we get to the film, I want to talk about your company. Okay. So you're based out of Tampa, right? That's your headquarters. It is. Yes, sir. Okay. So you're probably have a, a familiarity with uh, Amanda, right? In Orlando. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yep. That's our franchise owner in Orlando. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I just want to go on the record to say she's an amazing person. Oh, good. Well, I agree with you. I couldn't agree. Uh, couldn't agree more. That's amazing. She's helped me out numerous times and she's just, uh, I know she's got a working relationship with some of the old radio stations that I worked for in Orlando and, uh, and she's just phenomenal. She's fantastic. So, uh, uh just in case you guys are giving out raises anytime soon, just, <laughs> just, just letting you know. <laughs> no, she, no, she's great. Yeah. She, she's one of our franchise owners, uh, and, and has done a phenomenal job of building the brand in Orlando. So, so, uh, I'm, I'm right there with you. So explain the, the, where you got to where you're at. Cause you're a young guy, you know, you and your partner, just a couple dudes, uh, looking to be entrepreneur, uh, entre- uh, be an entrepreneur and, and you come up with this idea of like, let's first start moving people's junk, which is awesome because I'd want to sift through their junk as well. And then you get into the, let's move them into a new house, probably because most moving companies are scams and they're horrible people. And your company is not. Every time I've dealt with you, your employees have been phenomenal. The setup and delivery and the finalization has been just top notch. So what was the driving force behind that? Yeah, well, you know, I was brought up to follow the more traditional career path of work hard in school, get a job after you graduate. But the summer before our senior year of college, we were home for summer vacation. And my business partner's mom had a beat up cargo van from her furniture store. And she said, hey, why don't you guys borrow the van? You can do some odd jobs. And then it was actually her that came up with the name. She said, or she that came up with the name. She said, you guys can be like college hunks who haul junk. And we looked at each other and we like laughed about it at first. And we were like, that's pretty catchy. So we just stuck the fly and, you know, computer printout flyers and mailboxes, the phone started ringing. People had a need for the service. They thought the name was catchy. And I always tell the story. We actually bought an 800 number and put it on the back of the truck, uh, but it was still routed to our cell phones. And so people would call to complain about erratic driving. And I'd be in the driver's seat, like pretending like it wasn't me saying, you know, we'll fire those guys when they get back to the office. We appreciate you recording that, that on the on the road. So, uh, you know, those early days, we were doing all the work ourselves and, and whatever it took to get the, uh, the business off the ground. And then, you know, as you mentioned, uh, 20 years later, no overnight success happens overnight. We've got over 200 franchisees uh, around the country, and uh, it's, it's it's continuing to grow. So the acronym for hunks came after the fact because you probably said it, we got to we got to business this up a little bit. Exactly. We, we, you know, my wife likes to say I'm the, one of the original college hunks and uh, I should probably get a shirt made for that. But uh, now, you know, people would always ask us like, Hey, are they all really hunks? And it's not always easy to, you know, have Mr. Universe uh, be the one showing up to your house. So we created an acronym to expand the definition. Hunks stands for honest, 
uniformed, nice, knowledgeable service. So it's more than just the physical elements. We've got to deliver a good service experience. And, and that way we can uh, make sure all of our hunks qualify as, uh, as being considered a hunk. I can just see you and your friends and your partner drunk and high as a kite one night going, dude, guys, we got to come up with something clever for this hunks thing. <laughs> I credit Omar with all, all of those big ideas. Absolutely. <laughs> Pass me some pizza and let's get to work, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Nate, I hate to see some of the things that ended up on the cutting room floor of that uh, acronym discussion. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. I'm sure. Nate, I mean, I know I would pass by those signs in college and go, oh, man, that'd be great to make a few extra bucks. Did you ever want to uh, do that uh, and, and go like, because you'd be perfect for it. I mean, you're like the the, the poster child for, for this company. Yeah, you know, I didn't even know it was an option. I saw the signs and everything, but I was working retail in college at the time but yeah i probably should have done that and get outside a little bit <laughs> yeah and and i can only imagine you know you should your next venture should be writing a book uh telling the stories because these guys that you're hiring you know, these fraternity guys and stuff that are all ripped up they're going into some of these houses and these women are probably salvating and there's probably some great stories out of that I'm sure there are. I try to keep my ears far away from those stories. I don't want to hear them. I don't want any HR issues or, or, or uh, you know, or I don't want us to get canceled. But I have heard there's been examples where, you know, the the uh, client opened the door in, in, in her or his robe and uh, was, you know, excited and, and happy for the hunks to be there. And, uh, you know, we've got to keep it professional, obviously. But uh, the, those stories, I'm sure, have existed. I mean, we, we do hundreds of thousands of moves a year. So you've got to imagine we've, we've seen all kinds of crazy uh, anecdotes there, but uh, you're right a blog or some kind of uh, story yeah. or, or podcast about like you know the front lines of the the hunks uh, hunk stories uh, hauling junk stories would be uh, pretty good keep me in mind if you do a podcast <laughs> my idea yeah. i love it you got it I, you got it i, I, I heard I, it here i'm going to text you my number because i love that idea hey, last question then we'll get to the bezos thing because i know that's why you're on but um have you run across any kickback with today's world that we live in the word hunk i'm assuming to somebody it's going to be offensive and you know why aren't there women and that kind of thing um have you have you run into that and is that you know like something that you might have to change very rarely, every once in a while, somebody will ask us, you know, hey, what about the women? But the fact of the matter is we do hire women. We're an equal employment, you know, opportunity company. Uh, we have women junk haulers and movers. And, and you know, for a while we were calling them hunkettes, but now they're they're just considered hunks just, just as well. Uh, and, you know, obviously the majority of the applicants for the job are typically male. Uh, you know, there aren't a ton of women lining up to want to move heavy furniture necessarily, but we do, we do have some and they're great. They're, they're great uh, representatives. And you mentioned Amanda, who's a franchise owner in Orlando, yep. actually uh, one of their employees, uh, one of Amanda's employees in Orlando, Courtney uh, w won the hunk of the year award at our national conference a couple of years ago. Um, so, so we try to, you know, dispel any preconceived uh, assumption that we're, you know, only hiring men or only hiring, you know, good looking men or whatever, because of the name. And that's why we expanded the definition with that hunk acronym. I will say we were on the very first episode of Shark Tank about 10 years ago, and we had a sister company that we thought about launching. This is what we were pitching.
pitching the Sharks, we were going to call it College Foxes Packing Boxes. And <laughs> the, the, the Sharks uh, actually wanted to invest. Robert wanted to invest, of course, uh, but he wanted equity in College Hunks as a result. And because it was the first episode, we didn't know these Sharks were going to become celebrities, so we turned down the deal. Uh, but I think that name, had we pursued it, probably would raise more eyebrows, especially in today's climate, uh, than perhaps the, yeah. uh, the the Hunks model. Yeah, you got you got to you got to next uh, you got to start uh, moving uh, nationwide. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we so we, we've got, uh, you know, 200 locations, uh, but it's all typically local moving. So right. so you're right. We, we, we need to start thinking about the long distance stuff. Yeah, just just try just, like like he needs my help. He needs your help. For sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, right. Call Jason. He has all the ideas. We need all the help we can get. I'll be yeah. honest. I, I, I never turn down help. I, I think I think you're great. I love I love everything there is to to love about it. So I'm, I was so excited to have you on. I was like, oh, we I know we got to talk about the movie, but like I it's like I feel like your company is part of my growing uh like growing up because I think we're about the same age and you know I just you you can't miss it was like your marketing before viral was viral were those those little like corrugated plastic signs, those, yeah. those po political Dude. sign things. I'm, I'm getting goosebumps literally hearing you say that because like our vision from the beginning was to become this like iconic brand yes. that people would see and associate with, you know, entrepreneurship and fun and creative uh, creativity. And, and so all those things that you just described, I remember back when we first started the company, uh, a buddy of mine was like, you know, I think he was like, missed the last the last metro train in dc at coming out of the bar and he had to like and there was this was before uber so he was like walking home he was like miserable getting hung over and he saw one of our college trunk hunks trucks on the way to work and he was like you know on, on that moment i just knew all was right in the world like everything was going to be okay and i was like you know that's the energy and the, the the vibe that we want people to feel when they see it so to hear you say that is like a manifest of of what we've always like envisioned, uh, actually being, being, uh, uh, you know, coming to fruition. I, I was always surprised though, that you guys never purchased, uh, naming rights to the colleges. So for each market, like for Orlando, for example, you would have, you know, UCF in the night or, you know, Rollins or I think those. So it's a great idea. Then those are things we've looked at. It's just, it's somewhat price inhibitive, but what we did do was we took advantage a couple about a year and a half ago of the NIL name, image, and likeness yeah. opportunity with college athletes. So we actually, my business partner drove down to Miami and signed at the time, the quarterback of Miami at 12 midnight, the moment the law went into effect. So we were actually the very first company to ever sign a college athlete. And then uh, we did actually sign the women's UCF basketball team uh, following that. So we We've done some niche uh, uh, marketing engagements with the college athletes. It's a little bit less expensive than, and, and a little bit less red tape than dealing with like an actual uh, university institution. But you're absolutely right. Most of our clients are homeowners and businesses, not necessarily the students, but most mm -hmm. of our employee base are the students. So we've, we've done a lot of marketing and outreach to the campuses for obviously employee recruiting. And, uh, you know, you mentioned Nate, you know, you were working in, in hospitality or, or other areas. We're, we're trying to pull a lot of people uh, from sort of those other typical college gigs or right out of college type gigs, you know, and, 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 while there's a manual labor component to our business, it's still kind of fun to be out on the trucks and driving around and interacting with clients and, you know, hopefully not running into the uh, client with the bathrobe <laughs> answering the door. I, I feel like I'm talking to such a, like a huge part of my college day, like a, like, like Michael Jackson or Michael Jordan. It's, 
It's just very <laughs> exciting for me. <laughs> I can tell. I can tell. <laughs> That's a very- man, I need to take you. You're like my greatest, uh, you know, head, head booster. I got to take you everywhere I go. You're my hype man. I like this. Oh, my God. I, I'm such a fan. This is great. Anyway, uh, so Bezos, the beginning, uh, which is about Jeff Bezos' early years. This is before Amazon. You know, the, the story before Amazon is Jeff Bezos was trying to find a way to sell books because the bookstores – um, could only carry so many. And, you know, he goes to your character in the movie and says, hey, you know, tech nerd, make me a website. And and if you can put all these books on there, we'll be successful. Um, what are we going to call it? And uh, was it Cadabra? Cadabra, right? Cadabra was the original yeah. name. And so I'm, I'm assuming you're not doing this for a paycheck. And I'm assuming you're not doing this for fame. Um, I'm assuming you're doing this because you respect the business model from Jeff Bezos and are a fan because you're following a similar path. You know, I think you hit it right on the head. I, I met this gentleman, Armando Gutierrez, who actually plays Bezos in the movie. Uh, he's also happens to be one of the owners of the Tampa Tarpons Yankees minor league uh, farm team. And uh, he was telling me about how he makes these different movies and he always ties a very recognizable name to the movies he makes. And he said, I actually, you know, he said, I just bought the script to the Jeff Bezos story of how he started Amazon. And I'm going to make the first movie ever made about uh, Jeff Bezos. And I was like, wow, that sounds pretty cool cool. Uh, you know, that's kind of in my lane as an entrepreneur. I'm passionate about entrepreneurship and sharing entrepreneurial stories. So I read the script and I was like, man, I'd love to be involved in some way. And he's like, you know, how about a producer? How about an actor? I was like, okay, how about both? So uh, to your point, I, I played the role of this guy, Shell Caffin, who was the very first employee Bezos ever hired uh, when he launched Amazon out of a garage with his wife and his, you know, uh, some seed money that he borrowed from his parents. And, and so we made this movie and it, it's coming out on all the video on demand platforms, including Amazon. Amazon uh, and and was a lot of fun to make, but you mentioned the name. So their original name was Cadabra, which everybody thought he was saying cadaver. He was trying to say like abracadabra, like magic, but people kept thinking he was like, what are you going to sell dead bodies on the website? So then he actually changed the website to relentless.com because that's how he felt he had to be to, you know, stave off the, the, the Barnes and Nobles and the big box retailers. And, and so he was like, we got to be relentless. Uh, and then finally they changed it to Amazon. Uh, but if you go to relentless.com, it still will take you to the Amazon website. I tested that out and, 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 funny enough, uh, you, you know, um, if you go do your shopping at relentless.com, it's going to be the, the Amazon website. It redirects you to. That was my next question. Does he still own the URL? That's, that's, that's yeah, I tried Cadabra, but it, it just said, you know, took me nowhere, but relentless.com took me to Amazon. Well, there's the famous picture of Jeff Bezos in his office at that time. And there's a white sheet on the wall and it's like spray painted Amazon uh, which I thought is is really cool. You know, as a as an entrepreneur myself, not at your level, but I've always been a fan of being in control of your own destiny. It's a lot different when you make a dollar when you're working for yourself versus when you make a dollar working for a company. You know, this last year it was the first time in my career when I got fired from my radio gig that I start working for myself and doing this podcasting thing. And it was very satisfying. It was very liberating. Do you know, because you've always worked for yourself, the difference between the two? 
Yeah, I mean, I so very briefly after college, we I worked in a corporate job because that's what I thought I was supposed to do. And I remember emailing Omar and being like, "What's my what's our timeline for starting this business on a full scale?" This is my business partner now, and he emailed me back all capital letters. My timelines right now! Exclamation point! Let's do this. And so that's when we quit our jobs and told our parents and got some you know skeptical people you know wondering if if we were making the right decision. Uh, But I remember telling my dad uh, probably a few weeks into launching our college hunks business, you know, dad, I've been working 12 hours and I'm not even tired. Like I'm just full of energy. And, and he was like, well, see, that's the difference between doing something that you're passionate and enjoy doing versus, you know, doing something that's just not fulfilling. And it wasn't that we were passionate about hauling junk or moving people's furniture, but it was just the creative juices that were flowing, you know, coming up with the the branding. And like you said, the the yard signs and going out and doing the guerrilla marketing and, and, and putting the trucks in visible locations. Like that was all fun for us in those early days. And reading the script of the Bezos movie could I can certainly identify with a lot of the struggles and challenges he went through in those early days now a lot of zeros are missing from my company's you know valuation versus Amazon's today but everything else was was all pretty similar well I read that Amazon for the first time turned a profit just last year yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't be surprised. I, I don't know the exact figures, but in the movie, uh, Bezos tells the investors, like, we don't expect to turn a profit for at least 20 years. And yeah. this was back in 1994. So he was playing for the long game, uh, you know, and, and he actually turned down an offer from Barnes & Noble to buy him out. And uh, which, by the way, the CEO of Barnes & Noble in the movie is played by Kevin Sorbo. And he's like the evil villain in this movie. Uh, whereas Kevin Sorbo, we all know from the Hercules series as the hero. Uh, but he did a great job as, as the villain, uh, you know, Barnes and Noble uh, uh, executive that they wanted to kind of crush Bezos before he even got off the ground. Did you have early in the in the early days of college hunks to any uh, companies trying to buy you out like Penske or any of those big ones? No, no, we never had anybody wanting to buy us out. But I remember, I mean, we had a lot of people. I remember we've got a flat tire once with our very first truck and the tow truck driver looked at us and it was like, you want my advice? If you want to make it in this business, just get out. And we were like, it was like, you know, a week into the business. We're like, man, should we listen to that tow truck driver? Maybe he's saying the right thing. But thankfully we didn't, uh, we didn't give up yet with with just a flat tire. Nikki, do you have a question for Nick? Well, I got a few questions, but my first question I was thinking is, is this your first acting job gig? Did you just be like, Hey, I want to act in this and produce. Yes. Um, and I have a lot of respect, almost respect for professional actors and, and don't try to like claim that I can do what they do. Uh, but I'd had some experience with unscripted reality TV. You know, you mentioned Shark Tank and Undercover mm-hmm. Boss. So I, I had been comfortable in front of the camera and then I knew this entrepreneurial story and had lived it. So I, it was sort of in my lane. Now, I wasn't a computer techie like the role that I was playing in the movie. So I had to do some some practice with uh, an acting coach kind of warming up for it so I could sort of not be too awkward, but also be, be uh, authentic. And, uh, and so it was a lot of fun and I'm, I'm a big proponent on trying new things, stretching your comfort zone, uh, kind of checking the bucket list of things that might be fun or interesting to experience in life. And so this, I would put up in that, uh, in that category. So you think you're going to do some more acting, do some movies? Maybe, maybe it, uh, again, at some point in the future, I'm not like, itching to go do it. I, th- I think um, my energy and time is better spent still building my businesses and, 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 you know, spending time with my family as well. But it's funny, you do one movie, uh, even one that's, you know, kind of a mid low budget movie like this, but it's got a pretty recognizable name to it uh, with Jeff Bezos story with Jeff Bezos being the, the, the main character in it. Uh, 
I've had people reaching out all over saying, Hey, you know, I've got a script. Hey, I've got a production company. Hey, can we talk about a movie uh, concept? And I'm like, Whoa, Whoa, Whoa. Like, you know, <laughs> I, I wasn't trying to just like go all in on this uh, industry just yet, but obviously a lot of people are passionate and it's, you know, it's one that a lot of people want to get involved in. I know a couple of, uh, directors in Tampa that uh, work in the business just in a different type of way that could uh, really use you and the college hunks uh, logo with some of the, <laughs> some of the movies that they do. <laughs> yeah. No boxes, packing boxes or, or, or hunks all in other kinds of junk. It's, uh, you know, we're, we're keeping it PG. Is there anything when doing this movie that you learned about Jeff Bezos or did you pretty much know the whole story? So, so I actually, I didn't know that his uh, websites were previously relentless.com or Cadabra uh, before, you know, became Amazon. I actually didn't even realize that he was from Miami and that he had been adopted by a Cuban immigrant uh, father when he was four years old. His mother had him when he, when she was only 17. Uh, so, um, you know, those were some elements about his history that I didn't know. Uh, he was very successful at the age of 31 when he quit his job to go start Amazon. He was working his way up in a hedge fund uh, and, and, pitched the idea to his boss at the hedge fund, uh, who, by the way, in the movie, uh, his boss is played by Marcus Limonis from The Prophet, the CNBC TV show, The Prophet, which he did a great job in the movie as well. And uh, uh, so those are some of the things I just didn't really know. And, and I kind of forgot that Amazon started with just selling books that, uh, you know, they weren't selling everything to everybody in those early days. It was just an online bookstore that then evolved into what we know today. And, you know, if you're like me, there's not a day that goes by that three or four boxes aren't showing up. You know, you log into the website and you buy one thing and then it suggests something else. And he's like, oh, yeah, I need that, too. And all of a sudden they show up the same day or next day. It's pretty crazy that he was able to, you know, evolve from from selling books to, to now this. And it's also a really cool badge of honor. So uh, I invented a product. I'm a big tennis guy, but it's also great for pickleball players. It's called My Court Caddy. And I'd been selling it uh, e-commerce just through the site. And I just figured out how to put it up on Amazon, which is not as easy as people think, especially if the thing Mm -hmm. doesn't exist. Like if it's a new product, you have to prove that it exists. So I went through this whole process and it's finally up on Amazon. So, you know, you I go and I search it and not that I'm making a killing by no stretch, but it's cool to know that I've contributed to Amazon, you know, absolutely with a product that doesn't exist anywhere else in the world. So yeah. it like little battles like that, I, I, I think are, are really cool. The guy that you play in Bezos, the beginning shell, is he still alive? Is he still around? He's still alive. I haven't met him. I, I read a bunch of articles about him, or at least what I could kind of dr- dig up on the internet. And uh, he is uh, worth a couple billion because of his early shares that he was given uh, in the business. So we don't have to feel sorry for him. But in, in the movie, uh, you see the friction and tension between my character, Shell, and Bezos, because my character is literally building the website from scratch. And this was back in the days where you couldn't just pop up a website from, you know, GoDaddy. And, and, and be in business like he had to program every single you know line of code uh, to, to get it on air and you know the uh, uh, he was frustrated with Bezos because he didn't feel like he was getting his fair share of 
founders equity uh, in the business, you know, and Bezos's parents got a, a big stake in the business. Bezos's wife is worth, you know, 60 billion uh, today or his ex-wife. Um, and so, you know, I guess if he's comparing himself to how the rest of the team did, he's not doing as well, but you know, he's still worth a couple billion. So you can't feel bad. But in the interviews that I've seen with him, you can tell he still has got a little bit of resentment yeah. uh, towards uh, Bezos and how things shook out. Interesting. Bezos, you said was adopted, correct? That's correct. Is, yes. It, it does. Does he know who his biological parents are? That's a good question. I don't know. I, I'm sure, uh, you know, I'm, I'm sure Google search could tell us, but but I don't know off the top of my head. I know that his mom uh, married uh, Michael Bezos, who ended up being the one who adopted him at age uh, at age four. Yeah, good. They're, they're high, and, and, uh, high five. Again, and, and, yeah, yeah, good, smart, smart adoption right there. Uh, another story, you know, an anecdote about his uh, the, the movie, uh, the role of his father, Michael Bezos, is played by Emilio Estevan, uh, Gloria, Gloria Estevan's wow. husband and, you know, the Grammy Award winning producer and everything. So, uh, you know, he's also obviously Cuban and and uh, from Miami. So it was kind of a good role for him to play, uh, being that Bezos's dad was uh, Cuban and, and also from Miami. There's a Miami connection. Everybody's got a connection down to Miami. I mean, even the college hunks. Uh, colors are very Miami. That's right. Well, so my business partner went to University of Miami uh, and, and the business plan won a competition our senior year uh, at UM. So yeah, there's all these Miami layers uh, to the onion, I guess. Uh, Nate, question for Nick. Yeah. What, what do you think set apart Amazon um, from like other e-commerce sites? I know it was like one of the first, but there were some other ones that were starting. I think eBay was like the year after the, the do you see anything that you notice like as a entrepreneur that maybe set them apart? I, I honestly think it boils down to the tenacity and, and grit of the founder, uh, Jeff Bezos. I mean, like he was not to be deterred, uh, not by anyone, even, you know, even his, his wife or his early employees, like he was full speed ahead. Uh, we're going to make this thing dominate. And again, that's why he called themselves relentless.com initially. Uh, that's the only thing that I can gather. And, and I think about it in our business too, like anybody can go start a moving or a hauling business. So like, how have we gotten to be so successful? Yeah. The name is catchy and the colors are bright and the service is, is, is consistent, but like we've just been persistent and, and, and gritty with not giving up, especially through the 08, 09 recession. And then, you know, COVID we could have, you know, panicked and, and, you know, we bounced back bigger than ever, like a lot of businesses, thankfully. But uh, I think that's the, the biggest thing that I recognize from the Bezos, uh, the beginning movie, is that he just had this tenacity that he wasn't going to be uh, deterred. Yeah. And a conviction. Well, from from an outsider looking in, I can help you answer that question because I don't, you know, if you own the company, you might not know this, but uh, moving companies terrify people. So I kind of look at you know, your blueprint, probably unknowingly going into it, kind of like what Uber's done. People were sick of taxis. They hated taking taxis. They knew before they got into the taxi, it was going to be dirty, smelly, stinky. The guy that's driving, it's a total asshole. If he doesn't speak a licking, I mean, all these negative things. So how do we just take the same model and make it better? I think of college kids that are moving my stuff I'm going to trust them versus the ex-con that just got out of jail, which I'm thinking most companies are hiring anyway. Yeah, the trust factor is critical. And actually, we see that play out in the Bezos movie as well, where uh, Bezos says, I need the website to be charming. He's like, I need it to be welcoming. I need it to make people feel good when they're on the site. And so uh, he had that concept as well. It's like, if we can make people feel better when they're 
interacting with a website, then then that's going to create the loyalty and keep coming back. And so we've kind of done that similarly on the college hunk side is, you know, how do we create trust and care? We're going into people's homes. They're not just shopping on a page and buying stuff. We're actually sending strangers into their home uh, to, to, to move their, their belongings. And so I think that element, you know, one of the things I always like to say, our industry is, you know, riddled with mediocrity. So if we can just do better than the alternatives out there over a consistent period of time, then we can win. And I think that holds true in any business, any industry. Do you know the secret message in the Amazon logo? I don't think I do. Really, Nikki, do you know? Amazon, no. Yeah, Nate, do you know it? Yeah. Oh, okay. It's the the smiley face right underneath. And the smiley face at the end has got two arrows. And the first one goes to A and the other one goes to Z. So it's everything from A to Z. Mm, subtle. I like it. Yeah, I subtle like and it. clever. I think that's one of those little sneaky things. Mm. You learn something new every day. It's like the FedEx arrow. I'm sure you guys know that, you know, between the, uh, when I first saw that, I was mind blown, but that was back in college for me. Yeah, in Atlanta, the Falcons, you know, the Falcons logo, the Falcon is actually an F. So, you know, so, so it's little things like that. Dude, the cryptic. I'm, I'm, I'm looking at the College Hunks logo trying to figure out what we can make of it. It's like, hey, the hand is on the E and the U, uh, but I, I got nothing. Ooey. <laughs> Ooey. Ooey. We're going to have to change that up a little bit. All yeah. right. Bezos, the beginning. Uh, Jeff Bezos, early years. Fascinating. And you said this is the first film that's been done about Jeff Bezos. Surprise. Yeah, I mean, there's been documentaries, but this is the first scripted movie, uh, essentially reenacting the, the, the launch of, of Bezos and, uh, and the launching of Amazon biopic, right? That's what they're called. Yep. Uh, yep. Do you guys, I, yeah, I can't figure out if it's biopic or bio, bi, I'm sorry, biopic, biopic or biopic. Yeah. I've I, heard people I, say it both ways. I struggle with that as well. Do you, do you, uh, does this movie talk about the divorce or doesn't get that far? No, it doesn't get that far, but, uh, you know, we all know where, where it ends up. Um, but she was, she was a critical role in those early days. I mean, she was riding right there with them, you know, quitting their jobs, moving across country, grinding in a garage. Uh, so it was, uh, you know, she was definitely part of the startup as a founder. Not to judge them, but didn't they like swap wives and husbands with their best friends? Like they'd vacation with this couple and he ended up like an entanglement. I don't know. I think I remember the tabloids yeah. saying something about that. Yeah. Yeah. Freaks. Those Amazon I mean, when people. you're, when you're worth a zillion, a trillion dollars, you gotta, you know, do something to keep life interesting. Right. Like, Oh yeah. Yeah. God, you're worth that kind of money. I mean, it's like, look, we had a good run and I appreciate everything you did. Here's a check for $60 billion. Feel free to give it all to charity. I don't care. I appreciate you. I got things to do. I got yachts and all kinds of parties to live that rock star lifestyle. You know, he's got, he's got rock. He's going to outer space. He's got a, a rocket ship to uh, to launch. Yeah. What are you doing this weekend, <laughs> JB? Going to outer space. What about you? <laughs> uh, do, do, do you? Do you think you'll ever get to meet him because of this movie? I hope so. I hope so. I mean, the movie, the nice thing about this movie is kind of evergreen, right? Like it doesn't, the shelf life is forever. Cause if anybody wants to see a story about the starting of Amazon, like this movie is, is there uh, for, for the viewing. So I hope he gets to see it. I hope he sees it. And I hope I get a chance to meet him. I think that would be really cool. If you had one question to ask Jeff Bezos, what would it be? Oh man. Uh, I guess if, if it were, related to the movie, I'd just say like, Hey, you know, was it, was it you or was it me? Was it shell or was it, uh, was it, was it you that, that caused the, the breakup there? 
So whenever I interview extremely wealthy people, and I guess you would be a part of this conversation, I'm assuming, but like I've interviewed uh, Richard Branson and a couple other multi-gazillionaires, and I always ask them the same question. Do you still use coupons? Just I'm curious. Like, can you imagine Richard Branson walking into a Bed Bath & Beyond with one of those giant 20% off coupons and arguing the point that it's still valid? Yeah, so so I'll tell you, I don't use coupons. I probably should, but a friend of mine says he just always buys retail because of the convenience factor, and I kind of have adopted that mantra. But I saw an article today about Mark Cuban uh, that he still has, like, some grocery store hacks to save money. So I'm like, well, man, if, you know, Mark Cuban's doing it, maybe I should rethink that. Yeah, Mark Cuban is, uh, and I've interviewed Mark, and he's a very frugal guy, smart with his money. Like, he's worth a ton of money, but he lives like he's not. Um, Mm -hmm. I think his mindset is, you know, he remembers what it was like, and he could lose it all at any given point. I have what I have. I don't need any more. And, Mm -hmm. you know, and that's, that's, that's humbling, but I'm sure it's very tough when you have everything at your disposal. I remember I also asked Richard Branson, I said, uh, how much money do you keep in your wallet? And his response was, what wallet? Yes, what wallet? <laughs> he doesn't carry a wallet. That's pretty good. I said, That's so, pretty good. So how do you pay for stuff? This is before, you know, you could pay on your cell phone and stuff. And he goes, I don't know. <laughs> he doesn't even know how things are handed to him. <laughs> yes. That's nuts. Uh, all right. Uh, so you said it's everywhere. Video on demand. It'll be on Amazon, anywhere you can stream it. Just Google Bezos, the beginning, and everybody can find it. Correct? Yep. Apple TV, iTunes, uh, Amazon, uh, Google Play, Vimeo, um, pretty much any on-demand platform. If you've got cable still, uh, it'll be available for, for rent or purchase as well. All right. Before we let Nick go, Nikki, Nate, anything? I do have one, one more quick question because whenever I hear people like being entrepreneurs like yourself, like super young, I always want to know like when you were a kid, like what did you think you would grow up and do or be? So I, I always thought I was going to be a basketball player, or at least aspired to be that. But the physical uh, gifts didn't present themselves ultimately. Uh, but I never sat still in school. And I remember but I was entrepreneurial because I remember my sister once set up a lemonade stand in front of our house and wanted to charge 25 cents. And I didn't think that was enough money. I didn't want to split that with her. So I went and set up a competing lemonade stand next to her. <laughs> I was charging a dollar. Uh, and, you know, I ended up making more because people ended up buying it from both of us because they felt like they needed to indulge us and they were willing to spend the dollar for the lemonade. I'm like, oh, wow. See, you know, you should have charged more. Know your worth. But uh, uh, so I was entrepreneurial and and that was, uh, I think, you know, some early signs that where I was going to ultimately end up. So you were, you were encouraged to be entrepreneurial. You know, I, I, in sixth grade, I sold cinnamon toothpicks that my mother helped me make and and put them in bags. It looked like a, it looked like a drug deal. Oh wow! And then, and, and I was pulled into the principal's office with law enforcement saying that, uh, if I do it again, I'm going to be arrested and kicked out of school because the extract that you, we used in the cinnamon toothpicks had alcohol in it. Oh, wow. <laughs> so I was like, okay. Oh, wow. so talk about not, not pushing a kid to be entrepreneurial. <laughs> I mean, Jesus. And I remember yeah. eating them cinnamon toothpicks. Yeah, they were a thing at one time. <laughs> Nate, do you have anything for Nick before we let him go? Yeah, how is uh, Bezos portrayed in this movie? Because I know a lot of, t- everybody always thinks like the, the billionaire CEOs are these huge e- 
evil, you know, jerks or whatever, you know, whether it's Mark Zuckerberg or what is, is it make him look bad or is it just make him look like a businessman? I think it's a balanced portrayal. I think it makes him look, you know, somewhat insensitive at times and just very single-minded focus. But at other times, you know, he's, he's uh, dynamic, he's brilliant. He's, he's, uh, you know, uh, inspiring as well. So it's, it's kind of a combination. You see a little bit of the push pull of kind of like the, the, the hard uh, edge that you in some cases have to have to be a, become a mogul, uh, but also kind of the, you know, sort of the soft recognizing the need for the, the charming website and so forth. So I think it does a decent balance of you, you're not sure he's a hundred percent the hero, but he's no, he's certainly no villain. Well, for those that are listening and if you're moving, get a hold of college hunks hauling junk and moving. You can find them anywhere. Just put it in the Google and there'll be one locally and you just call up and talk to them and say that you heard uh, the co-founder Nick Friedman on the BS podcast. You know, <laughs> I don't know if you get a discount, but they'll, they'll just think that's cool, possibly. And also, let's watch Bezos. The beginning, I know, I can't wait to watch this because all this stuff fascinates me. Uh, anywhere, you know, like uh, Nick was just saying, video on demand, Amazon, iTunes, Apple, all that good stuff. So, Nick, uh, thank you so much. Uh, like I said, I'm a fan, and you know, if you need me to follow you around and be your hype guy. Um, you know, I'm down there every once in a while. Just let me know. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. Keep in touch. Uh, definitely let us know when you're in Tampa as well. We can link up, grab a drink or something. All right, brother. Take care. Best of luck. Thank you so much. Thanks, Jens. Thanks guys. Bye-bye. Thanks, Bye. Bye-bye. Hold up. Wait a minute. Let's hear from our sponsors. I know every year you say you're going to do something about your health, right? Dudes. Uh, well, this year has to be the year. The older you get, you lose a lot of time. Menswellnessleague.com. That's the website for Nuberty's Men's Wellness uh, League in Sandy Springs, Georgia. I've been doing testosterone maintenance, as you hear, all the time for over two years, and I feel great. I just want you to feel great. I want you to look great. I want you to feel great about yourself, and I want you to stay on this earth for just a little bit longer, right? How about the Wellness Combine for only 99 bucks? Because you're a 2 percenter, that's $200 off the regular price. Plus, if you sign up, you're going to get a complimentary vitamin cocktail valued at 150 bucks. Just make sure you mention in the BS when you sign up, you schedule that call, menswellnessleague.com. You're the only person I'm going to say this to. Feel free to call my wife. 404-797-4600. That's if you're looking to buy or sell a house because she's a realtor and that's why I'm here to tell you how great she is and how awesome she's going to be for you. She's a realtor with Coldwell Banker, Rachel Guy. She's your guy and she's my wife and she's awesome. 404-797-4600. You can also get a hold of her. I am rachelguy at gmail.com. Are you asking yourself right now, who's doing my taxes this year? Because the guy last year, <laughs> no way, not happening. Well, let me answer that question for you. Alliance Tax Solutions. You go to keepmy.money. That's a website, www.keepmy.money. It says it all in the URL. Tax resolution, tax planning, tax preparation, bookkeeping. Georgia-based, face-to-face tax resolution firm. They are the best in the business. 25 years combined experience, and they have resolved millions of back tax debt for their clients. So if that's you, Alliance Tax Solutions, that's the solution. www.keepmy.money. And back to you, Jason. I really have a problem with people 
that are influential with their voice because of whatever it is that they do. They, for a long period of time, have, to their credit, have gained an audience that follows them. Got no problem with that. But when you, when we, and we, and, and I stress we, have a tragedy like the Tyree Nichols situation, and you don't take it for what it is. I mean, if there were ever a police brutality case that is as cut and dry as this is, we've never seen one as cut and dry as this, to the point where both sides agree that these cops were the worst of the worst. They should get fired, thrown in jail, key thrown away, right? This is... I mean, it is as simple as that, right? That these cops were the, like, I I couldn't even start to explain. Like, if I'm their attorney, I don't know how to defend that. Like, it's, I mean, it's obscene how bad that, I mean, you can't pull the, and look, I back the blue. I back the blue full and full, but, uh, or through and through, but when wrong is wrong, (laughs) like, you can't argue that when it's on camera and it's not edited. This is not one of those, you know, the, the argument is always you shouldn't have ran and you shouldn't have confronted the cop, right? That's always the argument for these police brutality cases. In a lot of cases, I agree that you get the video after about five minutes into the video. It's edited. You know, you're, you're not getting the whole lead up of what the person, maybe a convicted felon, is trying to do to the cop. The cop's got to go home, too, to a family, you know. But this one is from beginning to end. There are no excuses. You can't argue anything on the cop's behalf, period. The end of story, right? Nope. To the point where I've seen people on the right, because historically, right, if you're on the right, cops do no wrong, and they're always right, and you find an excuse, People on the left, historically, will find every excuse known to man to defend the cops. That's just how we view these types of things. This case is probably the first time I've ever seen people from both sides agreeing, you got to get these people out of here. This is horrible, right? I've never seen anything like this, Mm -hmm. which means it's it's progress. Kind of. I I don't know if it's progress. I, I would stretch to say that the, I mean, you're right. It is like that, but I would stretch to say the reason is, is because the cops are black. The, if they were all white, there would be a certain group of people, the, you know, the, the racist people basically that that will try to find a way to defend them because they're white. So it's a weird situation because the cops are black. So it's not a racial thing. So they, they feel like it's okay to say, yeah, these guys were in the wrong, you know? So that's just kind of how I feel Hmm. about it. But you're right. Everybody on, on both sides agree that this Mm -hmm. is not, this is a bad situation. That's exactly what I was going to say. So, the, so, so race takes pre- So, so like now what you guys are doing is what I was trying to commend the world for not doing. And that's making excuses and alluding to something that we don't know if it's true or not. I mean, I hate always going to the race card. Like, unless you've got facts, it's so easy. It's too easy. All right. I mean, take it for what it is. You've got five Cops, they happen to be black, that had a, a, a crazy abuse of power and did what they did to Tyree Nichols, which is horrible. 
Yeah. Okay. Well, well, I mean, what are you saying that that we're that we're saying or doing that's that's obvious in in a, in a lot of those other cases where the cops were in the wrong and it was on video and it was on tape, people still try to find reasons to say that the cops weren't wrong. That's that's a fact. Right. That we're not making that up. But but because yeah, just, but hold on, but not because of the race, but because of the situation. Well, you don't know why people are trying to take up for the cops. That's what we're saying. We don't know if no, it's no, no, because of saying, race or not. But what we're saying in this case is I feel as though it's cut and dry and everybody is agreeing because everybody involved is black. So there's not a racial thing to put in it because everybody's black. But what Nate was just saying is that they're not defending the cops for the racist people, as he said, because they're not white. Right. That, that's what you said. Yeah, I mean, because we, we've had other cut and dry. I mean, George Floyd was pretty cut and dry. I mean, yeah. we, we have video of him standing on his neck until he died. But And those were all, or not all of them, but majority of them were white cops. Right. And every excuse in the book was thrown out. He was on drugs. He had a record. Why did he do this? Why did he do that? There was all these excuses when it was, you know, a, a, a white cop on his neck. But now that it's black, then it's like, yeah, throw the book at him. So it just seemed, I'm not saying that I know for sure, obviously. I'm just saying the perception is is that. But even the George Floyd, there was video released after the fact. It's It wasn't as cut and dry as what you're saying. There was still more to the story. Like, we didn't learn until afterwards that this happened and that happened and this happened. We didn't see the whole thing unfold. We just saw that man's life get taken from him because the cop was, was on his neck, right? But, and I'm not, trust me, I'm not, not by any stretch of the imagination defending it. I'm just making the point as that this is, to the best of my knowledge, the first time we have seen from beginning to end and it, it, I couldn't even watch the rest of the video. I, I'd be completely honest with you. I watched it just to talk about it, just to be able to talk about it and be knowledgeable about it. But it was so bad that I couldn't watch the whole thing. I couldn't believe that not only a human being, but somebody that took an oath did that to that. And then when he's screaming out for his mother, I mean, I literally got, I, I mean, I, I got chills in my arm. I'm sitting there going, how do you do this? How... And, and it was almost like they enjoyed it. It was so barbaric, you know. Um, but that's my point: is that there, there, the a lot of the other videos, and I'm not going to go through every single one because obviously I, I can't. But like the George Floyd, for example, I remember like a month after something came out or something came out, whether it's perpetrated by the media or a certain group, it doesn't matter. It's still released, right? There's nothing right. else that can be released in this video. It's all there. But, but the other things that came out are the things that I was talking about that that are being used as excuses. Well, he was on drugs. Right. He should have complied. He should have did this. The, the same thing happened here um, in this case. He, but it's on. It is on tape. It's. I mean, the the other the other side. If this wasn't on tape, the first part anyway, the first part of the stop where he did run, people would use that as an excuse. Oh, well, he he shouldn't have ran. Why did he run? But it's on tape here, so it's it's harder for people to argue that when you see what was going on. But people would still argue that if it was you know if it was a different case. I think. So the point that I was making at the beginning is there there. You know, th this is so cut and dry. Like, just focus on this one for just for conversation's sake. Mm -hmm. This is so cut and dry, and it's so easy to say, okay, these guys are bad. And, and I think that the way that it was handled, however you want to, if you want to believe it or not, or say it was done a certain, I thought the way that it was handled across the country was the way that it should be handled. You address it, 
you acknowledge it. And in this case, because it was cut and dry, even though they'll have their day in court, they were fired, right? And they, I mean, immediate justice was done. That's what people wanted. I saw one of the protesters with a sign that said, fire these cops. And I'm like, why are you protesting? They have been fired. If that's what you want, you got it. And these police uh, chiefs from across the country, they addressed it. And they, and they, they all said the same thing how horrible it was and how bad it was, which I think softened the blow because I think uh, last weekend could have been a lot worse than what it really was, you know, which tells me that there might be a way to curtail a bad, like this is as bad as it gets. I mean, really, this is Rodney King. All these things are horrible, but this was gut-wrenching bad. I mean, so bad, like to the point where, now we'll see in flashback videos the Rodney King stuff, right? Because it's a part of history. I don't know if this will be used in flashback videos because it was that bad. It was that barbaric. Um, but you have these people, the, these talking heads that are influential that that dig into for, for talking points. They're not realizing that they're just putting fuel to the fire. They're finding these little things to make it something that it's not. It is what it is. I hate to use that term, but you know what it, you know what I mean? It is what it is. What is an example of what you're saying right now? Like who did you hear say something or Well, you know, there there was there was a guy that was trying to defend the officers and he used race as an example and it was it was it was like one of those things where he kept talking about a moot point where he was, he was a black guy. He was right leaning and he was trying to defend them based off of race. And I'm like, I don't know how you could defend these guys. Like, I just don't understand how you could do it, but he's an influential voice. He's a person that people listen to and makes you, you know, now he's gotten people to scratch their head, which I guess is his job, right? You know, to a point, that's his job. My point is if it's black and white and cut and dry, and I'm not using black and white as a race statement, I'm just saying if it's that cut and dry, you discuss it, you talk about it, you try to learn about it, you then move on the best way you know possible. Um, I'm sure there's a lot. I mean, I don't know if you ever forget it, to be honest with you. And, and then you go, well, how was it handled? This situation was handled differently than all those in the past, to the best of my knowledge. Right. I mean, there was an immediate firing. They, uh, the, the, the unit that they're a part of that Scorpion unit, they dismantled almost immediately, which I was very shocked that they did that. And, and then you know, they're in jail. The cops have been arrested. Like, what else do you want? Them Reform. to go to jail. <laughs> they <laughs> are. But, but that, that's, the, that's the next process. Well, I guess not go to jail, but be convicted. Right. Okay. Well, one, they're in jail. But two, you have to wait for them to be convicted. Right. And they will be convicted. There's no doubt in my mind. So justice is served. Yeah, but they want right. change. They want they they want these situations to not happen yeah. in the first place. They mm -hmm. they want them to be trained better to to handle these types of situations or not to do certain things that they did. Who's who are they? 
people. The, I, I thought you were the protesters or just general or people in general. That's I, why I would think people every, are upset. I would think everyone would want that. Not just they. Oh. I would think everyone would want that. Oh yeah, I thought you were talking about the. the you were talking about the people that were protesting, and you were saying, "What do they want?" And I'm but, saying that's but, what they want. But you can't fix the past, right? You can only learn from it. So the the past is done, and it sucks, and it's horrible, and justice will be served. It's already being served. So then you know you can continue to be angry. You can continue to, you know, I was like, I was so worried. It, like my. My, my 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 wife and daughter had plans to go into we call it the city up here in Roswell had plans <laughs> to go into the city they didn't go because they were afraid of protest you know they, their plans were changed because the the we were afraid the city was going to be overtaken once again and their lives could be in danger because let's be honest some of those protesters don't give a shit about anybody but themselves including the message so they're out there blowing up cop cars and vandalizing people's stores that have nothing to do with it. And they feel justified by doing that. That's unacceptable, you know, but the city of Atlanta wasn't as bad as the prior protest. I mean, it was pretty good. LA got pretty rough, you know, I think. Um, so, you know, just take it for what it is and, and learn from it. But you, you can't, you can't keep that, anger built up inside you right i mean it's just and you can't perpetuate something that's not there i mean there's no questions about this it's on video you cannot perpetrate something that doesn't exist this isn't an isolated situation it, it exists everywhere across this country so it's not one of those justice is served they're in jail move on type of situations because guess what another person is going to get stopped by the police another person is going to have to encounter so what people want is change across the board to i don't have to worry that when the police pull me over i might die that's what people want this isn't something that's just going to go away tomorrow because these cops were arrested and they're being put in jail and they're being prosecuted no because guess what in two weeks we get another news story where now somebody else is being killed by the police that is what people want to see changed people don't want to be murdered by police who are supposed to protect and serve that is what a change needs to come in that is what people are upset about that is what people are angry about and that's not going to go away tomorrow no no i understand but in this case i'm talking about this case in particular i'm not talking about the overall idea in this case and there has been i mean like that that was kind of my point which i was it was a refreshing surprise to see this handled differently can you agree that this was handled differently than what we've seen in the past yeah okay it was. so that's part of i mean change doesn't come overnight but I, uh, again, I agree with the same thing Nate initially said. I don't feel like this is a step in, in the right direction for change until I see this same thing happen, regardless of what skin type you are. When I see immediate firing of a police officer, when I see immediate arrest, when I see you are now charged and facing 60 years in prison, regardless of what color your skin is, then I can say, oh, we're, we're moving toward change. That has not happened. Isn't, aren't the, isn't the George Floyd cop was white. He's in jail, right? They didn't immediately get fired, arrested, charged. That didn't. None of that stuff happened right. well, immediately. Yeah. This that's, is this, that, this that, happened immediately. Right. That's the change. But still, he's yeah. in jail. You you just asked for you wanted them in jail. Yeah, but, but that's it, that's just one example of many. I think she's saying is this is a good step, but right. this doesn't mean that 
that it has been changed. This is just the start of it, but they, I, they want it to continue across the country. And I, and I agree with that. That's that. My point is that it hasn't, it's not done. I'm not saying that. I'm just pointing out the change that I saw personally, my observation on this case versus those cases. I'd never seen anything like it before. And I was, I was pleasantly surprised. Now, if you can't accept the little bit of change, that's on you. Like, if you can't sit there and go, okay, this is different than the last situation. Now, granted, there should never be a situation. There's no doubt about that. But we are in the world that we live in, and there are bad apples. These cops were extremely bad. There was change. You can't accept that. No, it's not that I can't accept it. I can accept it. Oh, you're shaking it. your head. That's why I said that. No, I'm shaking my head about what you're saying with them being horrible and like the worst of the worst human beings because they are. Yeah, I, I, it, like, it almost, I almost want to say at the risk of possibly getting beat up for this is I, like I don't even, I, I mean, they, they were cops, they wore a badge, but they were so, like, I don't even know if I'd put them in the cop category. They were that bad of people to do something like this. And you know, and, and I would be the first one to sit there and say, look, dude, you got a felon. The guy reached for a gun and this and this and this and that, and this and this and that, you know, and like, and see both sides of it. There's no both sides to this story. There's none, zero. The guy was in custody and they continued for an extended period of time to beat this man. I mean, that's absurd. Like you are a different breed of person. You know, knowing that you're on camera, like the guy, it was almost the point when he got, um, uh, what's the, the, the pepper spray and he walks yeah. away. It was almost like a joke to the guy. What was happening? It was like a gang initiation, mm-hmm. you know, which, you know, I don't know if there's, I'm sure there's more to the story. I mean, we always find more to the story and the lawyers will bring out whatever more to the story is. I'm sure we'll hear about it. Um, well, yeah, and they were trying to do, even in the video, you could see, you know, further down the line, they started to try to concoct their story or on the body cam. Like, oh, yeah. Do you see him grab your gun? Yeah. Oh, yeah. He was totally grabbing for my gun. You know, and they, that's what they they were trying to start to implant that into whoever's watching these videos to think that, you know, they were in danger. Was that towards the end? Because I missed that part. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, it was. They're all sitting around talking about, oh, did you see me, man? I came up and I dropped you. Like they were talking about like what they were doing, like they were bragging about it. But yeah, towards the end, they were like, yeah, he, you know, he grabbed my gun. You could you, you saw it. You know, he's like, oh, yeah, I saw that. They're they're coming. They're concocting this story that was never even a, a thing before. You know, um, you, you wonder how many because they wear these body cams all the time. Right. You wonder how many of these cops are like they they realize that the body cams are on you know it's like it's kind of like a reality show when you have cameras everywhere and you just kind of forget they're there you forget that they're there mm-hmm. you know these guys obviously at the end they're like oh shit dude this this is gonna get out you know i'd be terrified if i were a cop and i were in any in any situation even if i were in the right you know because it's going to happen there are going to be times when there's going to be a a a a person that is going to get shot by a cop and rightfully so mm-hmm. right so here's the flip side to all this stuff is that you have cops especially white cops that are terrified terrified to chase down a black perpetrator or use any force without a lot of backup and i know that for a fact 
You know, so like there's also a flip side to this of the public safety of the good cops that are trying to do their jobs that are afraid to do their jobs because they're afraid of how it might get spun or the media might see it or initial video that's released totally changed the game in the social court of law. Yeah. Well, and I think once, once the good cops stop protecting the bad cops, which we've seen in the past, then they won't have to, to fear that as much. And I think that's why this, like you said, is a good case because the, it's not good cops or, or, or bad cops protecting bad cops or anything like that. It's they, they saw something bad and they, they did something about it. And, and I think it, it's good change like as, as a whole, but that might've just been how this, this department handled things. Maybe they're just a great department and they're like, nah, that ain't happening on my watch, but there's other departments across the, the country that might not handle it the same way. Yeah. So it doesn't mean that they've changed. They, this, this uh, department might've just been good all along. Who knows? You, you almost think like the, the police chiefs that did not make a statement, you're going, ah, how do you feel about this? Yeah. 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 We're going to take a look at what you, uh, what's going on in your department now. I'll see how you handle all this, this kind of stuff, you know? Uh, but you're right about the cop thing. I've, I've not talked to one cop and I've talked to a couple personally, and I've not seen anything on social media from law enforcement that have backed these guys. You know, that, that idea of, you know, there's a brotherhood, there's a camaraderie, you, you stick with us through thick and thin. Um, there, there's a select group of people that are really screwing that up uh, for that fraternity, uh, you know, of law enforcement. Yeah. You know, you, you, you know, these guys, these guys, their wives are going to leave them. Their best friends are gone. They're, they're, they're being hung out to dry. Uh, and rightfully yeah. so. They're not going to have anybody. Their, their lives are done after that night. And again, rightfully so, uh, because of what, what you decided to do. I personally, if I had to ask any one of those cops one question, I would ask them, well, not why, but I would ask them, why did you continue? You know, after you had the guy down on the ground and yeah, he was fighting back obviously because you're beating the shit out of him. But what, why did you continue? That's why I feel like this was personal. Like nobody can make me think like this was just some routine traffic stop and y'all beat this man to death and it wasn't personal in some nature. Like I just can't wrap my mind around that, but but not being the case. But Tyree Nichols says he's got no, nothing in his background would lead you to think that he would have some personal vendetta with these cops. He's also, I believe, had a disability, right? Um, uh, I think that's what his mother said. He, you know, had he, a, 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 fu- a functional disability, but still mm-hmm. a disability. You know, like, where's the personal tie that comes in? You know, it's a lot of stories and stuff was, was circulating around, and they're saying that they think maybe he was messing with one of their girlfriends or wives. Oh, I haven't read that. I don't know how true any of those things are, but I definitely feel like it was personal on some type of level. I think a lot of times you see with uh, people who run that when they catch them, that there's often a little bit of force used. And I think that it's kind of an ego thing, you know, just speculating for, 
you know, maybe a certain type of cop where they're like, oh, you're going to run for me, motherfucker. Now you're going to, you know, it's like when, you know, you're a kid and you're somebody's, you know, hits you and you run after him and you hit him harder because, you know, it pissed you off that you had to chase him or whatever. So I, fe- I feel like that they were mad. They're like, oh, you're going to run away from me. Now, this, like, this is what you get kind of thing. Well, if I, if I were a cop and somebody to run, I'd be pissed. There's no doubt I'd be pissed. I mean, yeah, but there's not, that's not an excuse to use excessive force just because they, well, there's they a, ran. Well, it depends on what you're going to define as excessive force. I mean, if you're defining this as excessive force, then no, of course not. But if you're talking about tackling somebody and putting them in an arm bar or something, yeah. You, I mean, you're just <laughs> automatically assuming that this person is is dangerous, right? They, they, they didn't listen to you. They ran from you. I'd be pissed. Plus, now I'm tired and I'm sweating. Yeah. You know, it's, it's like, just listen to me and everything's going to be cool. Um, but you can't do that. But, and if it's not cool, <laughs> what? I'm just uh, imagining you chasing somebody and you're going to tackle them and put them in an arm bar and whatever, what else you doing? Well, none of those things are happening because <laughs> after about 10 yards, I'm bent over just sucking air. I'd, I'd, I'd be the worst cop ever. Like I, I would be known on the streets as the guy you should run from. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Bailey just shoots everybody. He's like, I ain't running after that guy. No, no, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not shooting anybody. But I'm just like that cop. You know, that cop's just run from him because he he's not going to chase you. and He's not going to report you because if you report you, it's embarrassing because he's not in shape. <laughs> I'm the worst cop. <laughs> I'm the best cop for the bad guys, but the worst cop for the department. How about that? <laughs> So anyway, my, my point is, and, and it's not a laughing matter of what happened. I mean, we're just, we're goofing on other things, but um, my point to, to me bringing this up is to identify that I observed for the first time a refreshing change. Now, I hope that's a start to things in the future. So do I. That's, that, that was my whole point of bringing it up. You know, mm-hmm. I, 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 it, it's not, I'm not, I'm not picking things apart, pointing things out. I mean, it's pretty cut and dry what happened. It's horrible. It's going to go down in history as one of the worst things that I, I mean, in my history that I've ever seen. It was bad, you know, but I wanted to point out that there was something different that happened after this tragedy. And that's a, that's a good thing, you know? So hopefully that will continue the way that it that this happened. But not everyone's going to be cut and dry. So now people are going to, you know, if it doesn't happen the way exactly this happened, people are going to be like, well, you did it for the Tyree Nichols, but you're not doing it here. Well, there might be some other circumstances that go along with it, why they're not doing it. And there's, you know, that's going to happen as well. So, you know, anyway, that's all I want to say. I want to point out to the, there's a change. There was a change, and I, and I do agree with that portion. And I am hoping going forward that something just across the board changes with with police officers. I don't know what more training they need. This is this is to me is common sense. This has nothing to do with training. These were just people who were horrible people, and unfortunately, it doesn't matter what type of training they went through. I don't think it would have changed who these people were. I agree with that. I agree with that 100%. Well, the, you know, after the George Floyd case or situation, whatever you would like to call it, there there were changes, and I know there were changes in, in the Atlanta Police Department as far as how they did things, the what they were supposed to do, blah, 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 blah. Now, a lot of these changes aren't made made public, and if they are made public, people don't care. 
you know, what, what people are looking for is a stretch of time where we don't see this. That's change, right? Yeah, because even after the George Floyd thing, the Atlanta police was in the news from that police officer snatching those kids out of the car downtown when they were protesting. So it's like, okay, still, some of these police officers, these are just horrible human beings. So I'm like, what type of psych evals are you having them go through to be police officers? Because you can train them all you want to. It's not changing who they are as people. Yeah, I don't know. Do they, I'm sure they take psych evals, right? Oh, yeah, I would think so. Yeah. But I'm sure there are ways to beat the system, too. Yeah. Well, and I don't know. Maybe you guys talked about this, but why why were they pulling him over if they were involved in this, like, like they're, they're in that Scorpion unit or whatever, where they deal with, like, grand, gangs and drug dealers and stuff like that? Why were they doing, like, a regular beat cop stop i wonder no idea i i kind of imagine that scorpion unit is kind of like denzel and ethan hawk in training day mm-hmm. probably so <laughs> you know like th- th- that's probably their bible of movies to watch yeah oh yeah well and that's probably why they were so violent like they they deal with like the worst of the worst not giving them any kind of excuse but they're used to dealing with like a drug addict that's strung out that's kicking and screaming and biting and stuff but yeah they just went completely overboard so uh you said they got rid of that that um program i guess they well they i believe the the verbiage was they've temporarily shut it down so yes temporarily shut it down but you know you're right if if i were a cop and i had even just one incident you know i'm the type of person that's never going to forget something with somebody then it would be difficult for me not to if i encountered somebody like that whether you know i've always been told by uh law enforcement friends of mine that the the toughest person to arrest is like a 13 year old they just have seriously they said that like a 13 14 15 year old because they have energy for days and they just kick and scream and kick and scream and in your mind you're going this is a kid right i i I don't want to hurt the kid but the kid is a badass and is going to hurt me right so they i've always been told that those are the worst uh, people to arrest are the kids because they feel like they're bulletproof because they're not an adult uh and so it's it's a tough spot for a kid to be in um, but yeah, I, 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 back in the nineties, there was, uh, an Hispanic cop in Orlando that was doing a routine, um, pullover on I four and they shot him, paralyzed him from the waist down, you know, or the neck down actually, you know, they paralyzed him. He was done forever. You know, I, I would find it hard to believe that whatever that person was, and I don't know what type of person they were. I don't remember that you would not hold, it could be a blonde-haired, blue-eyed, big-boobed woman. For the rest of your life, hate blonde-haired, big-boobed, blue-eyed women because that's, at one point in 95, the bitch shot me when I was trying to pull her over. I, I would hold a grudge against blondes for the rest of my life. There's no <laughs> doubt about it. You know, I don't think that's an ism, right? That's not, not part of the ism. That's not a racism. That's not a sexism. No. It's, it's just, a, I'm a pissed-off ism. Yeah. It's a stereotype, I guess. I'll never but forget. not all stereotypes are bad. Not all stereotypes are bad. Meaning what? I'm just saying it's a stereotype where you're you've had this experience, so you kind of you know attribute that to other things in your life. Like I'm just saying, not it, it is a stereotype, but I'm not saying it's like a negative one. It's oh. just it's an experienced stereotype. Like yeah. all men cheat. Yes, all yeah, men cheat. Exactly. Mm-hmm. All women are dirty. <laughs> <laughs> 
All Brandons are dirty. All Brandons are all Brandons are dumb. <laughs> all lesbians are horny. Have you heard that one? No, I haven't heard that one. Yeah. Bet you go into a gay bar and say that out loud, you will. I bet you I won't go in a gay bar. <laughs> oh <laughs> gayism something is <laughs> gayism. She's got an ism over there. <laughs> Chalk it up. Nikki's an ismer. <laughs> All right, Brandon, you ready? Yeah. All right. By the way, thanks for participating in that conversation. We appreciate all of your strong, yeah, I like to listen. strong input. <laughs> yeah, in this job, you kind of have to. It's not a listening. Yeah. Anyway. All right. One question with Brandon. Brandon's YouTube videos are just going to be him listening. <laughs> yeah. I just listen to other people talk. Mm-hmm. All right. Go ahead. Sparky's. No. Yeah. If okay. If you're having a rough day, yeah, rough, rough, uh, give a uh, Meredith Sparks. Hit her up on Facebook, Etsy, Studio Sparks Design. She does great custom pet portraits. Hell, you ain't even got to have a pet. You just find one you'd like on the internet and send it on over to her, and she'll put a she'll do a nice memorial for your pet if it's dead. I think they just call it a, a portrait if they're still alive. Uh, she does have a special request for like landscape and you know, you can ask her about anything, uh, see if she'll do it for you. Uh, but yeah, check her out. Uh, Facebook, Etsy studio sparks design, just ship anywhere nationwide. All right, there you go. What do you got? What's your one question? All right. So if you get a new brain, is it a brain transplant or a body transplant? Brain transplant. That's easy. Why Are you sure? A, yeah. Positive. I mean, why is that, that even a question? Yeah. Well, but what what do you consider you? Are you your brain or are you your body? Yeah. I'm my body. The brain goes in the body. That's like an engine in a car. With no brain, the body doesn't work. Yeah, you wouldn't your personality wouldn't be you without your brain. So you'd just be you'd just be like a container. Your body's just a container. I think your brain is you. Yeah, but you, you can't function without a heart either. And if you get a heart trans that's what it's called, a heart transplant. They could keep your, like, you could keep your brain functioning without a heart. You can? Yeah, they, they have, like, they, they have heart transplants all the time, and they have, like, the, the what is it called? The artificial heart, I guess? Yeah, okay, but but there's still something in its place. You you can't function yeah, without they, that organ. But you're, you're still you, though. But your brain is who you are, because you could put your brain in someone else's, like, or let's just say you could put your brain in someone else's body, then you are there. So Ooh. I think you're you're swapping bodies instead of brains. Ooh. Well, I don't know. Because well, you sp- your body's just a container that your brain uses. You want to get, spir- you get spiritual on them? I, <laughs> spiritual. Throw some God their way. <laughs> Talk about the soul and the, the Holy Spirit and all that stuff. That's your body, right? Body, body, Christ, blood. Yeah. All stuff. Yeah. But you need your, your brain. Like still your body doesn't work without your brain. That's why they call you a vegetable when your brain dead. Horrible so. word. Horrible term. Cause I like vegetables. <laughs> so I think it's a brain transfusion. Like you're getting a new brain, not a new body. Transfusion or transplant? Transplant. Yeah, I think it's a brain yeah. transplant. I'm going brain. Yeah, but if you're getting a new brain, then is it still you that's getting the brain? Yes, it's still. Why are you? No, it's a different person. You're asking us a question, and we're answering the question, but you're yelling at us like <laughs> we're not. You're not answering you. right. You don't understand it. <laughs> exactly. That's what you're telling. You're all. So there is a right. 
usually there's no right answer to any of these questions, right? But so, it, but he's saying if if you like put someone else's brain in your body, then you are no longer you because that person's personality and traits and experience and DNA and everything is put into this new body. So it's not transplanting it to you. You're switching. You're exchanging bodies. I so I think it's a body. I understand what he's saying, but you could also make that argument if you have plastic surgery or you chop off a finger or you chop off you're an amputee, you, you're changed. You're not the same person. So I think overall, I mean, because it's called a brain trans. I mean, like the scientific name for it is a, bl- a brain transplant. Do you know anybody who's had a brain transplant? No, it, it's not a thing yet. So oh, the, the there's a scientific name for it, but I don't think that's ever been done. Really? Has that it's never been done? No, I didn't think so. I'm like, who's had a a brain transplant? That would be, I've never heard of it. I tell you what, that would be a really cool experiment. You take two people and you swap brains. I don't know if that can be done yet or not. Yeah. But but I think your brain is you because like what Elon Musk is trying to do with Neuralink and stuff. I mean, eventually your brain is going to be downloadable, your personality, who you are. So you can take it out of your body, out of your organs, all that stuff, and it's still going to be you. So really you're transferring you're transferring like the hard drive and the CPU of everything into another computer. Oof. That's why I like Apple. You can't you can't mess with that stuff. You just, yeah. You get they just it. charge you for it. They just charge you for it. That's right. You just take what it is. <laughs> Actually I got a really good deal. You know who I, I guess I had mentioned I wanted a new laptop on the show. And uh premium two percenter Jose, he owns a pawn shop out in Stockbridge, Georgia. And he reaches out to me and he says I've got this 2021 MacBook Pro, you know, with all the fixings. He gives me a, a, he was selling it for a great deal as is. He gave me a better deal. So thank you, Jose. I wish I knew the name of your pawn shop, um, but you can find him on our social media, Jose. He's, he's the only Jose out there. Um, Rodriguez, I believe is his last name. Good dude. Really yeah. good guy. And then, so I wrote it over and I started playing with it and he's like, take it for a spin and let me know if you want it. He didn't even charge me right away. He just trusted me with the laptop. And so I took it for a spin and I texted him and I said, Jose, I'm in. I want it. Where do I send the money? You've got it. And he said, thank you. Let's talk later. And that's the end of that conversation. Hmm. It got, me a new, got me a new laptop. That's pretty nice. Um, all right. Well, either way, I don't care what you guys say. I'm saying it's a brain transplant. Nikki's going brain going transplant. Brain transplant. Nick, uh, Nate is going... What did you uh, body transplant. Body transplant. Brandon, I'm assuming you're going body transplant. Yeah, I was thinking about it. I think that's the direction I'm going with. <laughs> I'm kind thinking of hard about to confuse it. it. Well, how, I how can you think about it? If it's your question, you should come into the segment already knowing what your answer is going to be. Well, I don't know the answer. That's why I'm asking the question. Oh. I have problems with these in my daily lives, and I'm hoping y'all can help me. And they all just confuse me more. He's got more than one lives. <laughs> my daily, my different personalities with my daily lives. <laughs> uh, has there been a brain transplant? No, there hasn't. There has not. They're still trying to figure out this they're question. They're still trying to figure it out. But what another, it's two things they're trying to figure out. To just take the brain out and then they want to take the whole head off of a person and move it to another person. <laughs> whole head off the person. That's crazy. <laughs> that is crazy. Can you imagine your head on mine and my head on yours? No. That would be neat for a day. That'd no. be fun for a day. It would not be fun for a day. It would be very weird and awkward. People would stare at us like crazy. Who cares what people think? <laughs> Who cares what people think? Who wants to walk around with somebody staring at them all day because I got this body that doesn't go with my head? Don't you want my body for a day? No. <laughs> All the things, what would you do with my body for a day? 
probably figure out how to make my penis bigger. Well, oh, uh, dang. <laughs> uh, look, let me tell you, I'm 47. I've been trying to figure that out. It's the impossible. Figure it out. It's an impossible task. If you can figure it out, I'm going to sign us up for the head transplant surgery. <laughs> <laughs> Where do I sign up? <laughs> so that's what you would do. Like that's that's where your head goes. Penis. So all day long, you're just trying to figure. Because out. Because girls don't have penises, so that's the one thing. If you want to be a man, you want to play around with it, see what it does, how it feels. Are you talking about just George, getting an erection, or just like physically making it bigger? I well, I don't know. He he always says it's so small. So I'm like, I wouldn't get the full man experience then if it's so small. So I have to first figure out. Get it bigger, then get my full man experience. It, yeah, but you should, nice to know. you should take what you're getting, though. It would be huge for you because you've never had one. Like, you, you would be going, wow, I, what has he been talking about? This thing's a, a gigantic. <laughs> I might. <laughs> it's nice to know that women have the same thought if they switch sexes as guys do because the first thing Nikki would do is jack off. <laughs> you know, because guys are like, I'd play with my boobies. <laughs> See, I don't know if I had your body. No offense. I don't know if I would. I would. The sex stuff would come into play. I'd feel. I'd feel guilty. I'd feel gross. You know, because I don't look at her like that. So when, you know, she does get her head back, she's like, "What the shit? Why do I have piercings on my nipple? And uh, I've got some weird hieroglyphic shaved in my crotch." What in the world? <laughs> so I wouldn't do that. I think I would just. Uh, I, I think I would walk around just as Nikki D and just see how people treated me. And, you know, like I'd be at the hotel being like, what do you want? Oh, my God. You want water? Why do you want water? You've been in the desert for three weeks. Ah, oh, shut up. Ah. Nah, you wouldn't want to be at the hotel. Ah. Have the weekend from hell there. i go to her house, look through her drawers. You'd be shocked. I think I would. That's why I would do it. <laughs> Hey, you go to then you go to Stone Mountain and you confuse all the racists. Like, I, I, I hate this person's arms, but their head's okay in my book. <laughs> yeah, I would I would I would try to find two different marches. You know, one for anti-white, one for anti-black, and march in both of them just to see how I was treated. <laughs> Cletus, can we just hate eighty percent of her? I don't know. <laughs> well, how do we do that? Well, we invite them over for dinner, but we don't let them in. <laughs> feed him food through the window how about that <laughs> he can just stick his head in <laughs> but he's also got boobs so he's one of those weird <laughs> transplant people he's a transformer he's a transformer <laughs> he's optimus queer what the <laughs> i'm playing a character people playing a character <laughs> Okay. Uh, Podcastthebs.com. That is our website. Please sign up to be a premium two percenter if you have not. It's only four to uh, five bucks a month, four ninety nine. Save a penny, and uh, you get the shows early. You know, like early release every every you know every day. Uh, also, once a week, uh, I'll send out a full video show, which is pretty cool. People are digging that. Um, and I'll throw some bonus stuff in there as well if you're on the email. And if you're not getting the email, same issue is that, you know, I got to tell you to unsubscribe and resubscribe because uh, you've opted out of any emails from me when you subscribed originally. So just try not to forget to resubscribe, please, if you don't mind. If you'd like to be a sponsor, podcastbs.com, there's a section on there you can fill it out. Our sponsors. Uh, obviously have been with us for a very long time and are seeing a good ROI. So maybe that could be you if you need some help and uh, we can work with you on, on pricing and all that good stuff. Questions for Mad Dog Manny Aurora. 
when he stops in, uh, any legal questions, namely stuff for a defense attorney, because that's what he is, you could do that. Also, post uh, you can leave us a voicemail. What's our voicemail number again? What is it? Something 404 Fox, Fox Duck. 404 Fox Duck. <laughs> <laughs> what was the other one that we didn't? We don't say when Manny's around, but 404. Something fuck, uh, right? Yeah, something you fuck or I. Yeah, 404-369-fuck, I think. Three, yeah, but it's it's. I thought the 369 spelled something, too. That's why we picked it out. No? Uh, uh, I don't think. I think it was just fuck at the very end, and then Nate figured out fucks ducks. Okay, either way. Top three, all of our episodes, uh, the playlists are up there as well. We release those on Tuesdays, but if you're looking for some playlists for a road trip or whatnot, they're on the website in our merch store. Uh, too. All right. Uh, Nate, you got anything before we get out? Oh, we got bonus content for you. Premium two percenters. You get some more show. So after the outro, don't go anywhere and uh, keep listening because, uh, I've got a good story to tell. Uh, this would be a black cloud story, you know, even though we don't do the black cloud podcast, but I, I haven't been this mad in a very, very long time. And I took it out on this poor Hispanic lady at the dry cleaning place. But I feel like I was justified. Oh, oh. I feel like I was justified. I'm she, sure you do. She was a victim of circumstance, but she was the only person I could reach because the Chinese guy kept hanging up on me. And I'll explain <laughs> all of that here in the bonus content. Nate, what do you got before you get out? Never give up on your dream job, even if it's a YouTuber. Yes, there you go. Brandon, do you have anything <laughs> to say or you just want to say silent? Uh, get you a good old ham and cheese croissant today. There you go. All right, Nikki D. More justice and more peace. There you go. Good words. All right. Thanks for listening. Have yourself a great, safe rest of your day. Always appreciate the support. Talk soon. Bye. Get off my lawn. It's old man Kevin, and the BS is done for right now. Please share, like, and support. Podcastthebs.com. It's better than radio. Now, get out of here.